This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 78 of the Radio Freest Van podcast, a Horse Heresy 30K podcast. My name is Michael. I've got my co-host here, Derek. Go and say what's going on, Derek. How's it going, everybody? And we got powerful Scott over in Kentucky. Go and say what's going on, Scott. Hello. And, of course, the almighty <laughs> Ryan Kimmel. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's happening, guys? All right, and so this episode, we actually have a pretty special episode for you guys, very much requested, uh, the Iron Warriors episode, the Fourth Legion episode, so we're going to go over some things, let me give you a, a breakdown of what we got coming up for you fellas. What we got? So first off, well this is the whole episode, this is what we're going to be doing the whole episode here, we're going to go through our intro and hobby progress like we do every episode. Uh, then we got some heresy camp announcements that we need to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the whole book delay on what's going on with the Horus Heresy rule set coming out. Uh, then we have a, then we're going to jump into some voicemails that you guys left us. Then we're going to read off some, sorry, the cat's on the board. We're trying to get her off at the same time. That's why the audio's in now. Uh, then we're going to go into some Iron Warriors fluff. Some Iron Warriors special rules, some Iron Warriors special characters and units, Iron Warriors Ride of Wars, and then uh, by then you should be completely understand how the Iron Warriors work and everything. And then so we'll go ahead and bring up a couple lists for you guys from emails. We'll go ahead and pick those out as we uh, as we get there. So first things first, Ryan, man, what have you been up to? Let's start with you. Um, I've been working a lot. They got me on, um, working three in the afternoon until, uh, one thirty at night, seven days a week. That's extreme. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of forgotten what my family looks like. Um, pretty much just here all the time. <laughs> so yeah, that's about it. So I've not had a day off since my last game night, which is when Brian Steele came down. So whenever that was, that was my last day off. Oh jeez. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Ryan just forgot what the sunlight looks like at this point. Yep. So it's pretty much all that's going on with me. Is that right there? Any hobby progress? Or you just kind of just. Dying slowly. No, nah, I, uh, we, uh, I got all my stuff built for my Death Guard army, which I think we talked about last time, but it's all 100% built. I got everything primed. Um, so that actually takes a while, especially when you're doing stuff in sub assemblies. So I got all that done. And then, um, I painted a Land Raider, a Mark IIb Land Raider with the Blood and Skulls kit. And I actually, I don't think I've, yeah, I posted it up on Radio Free Fun. So yeah. it's up there. People want to see it. We've been getting hit up all weekend about that thing. 
on the old Facebook page. On the Radio Frist Van Facebook page, if you go check that out, you can go see Ryan's MK2B Land Raider with full wraparound treads. Uh, it looks really yep. good. Uh, especially especially the weathering. Your weathering looks fantastic on that sucker. Like, I get it. It's Death Guard, so it's going to be extremely dirty. But it looks, it looks uh, like, clean dirty, right? Like, clean dirty? Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I wouldn't know how to describe it either. Yeah, it doesn't look like you went overboard with the pigments. It looks like you needed the right amount of pigments. It doesn't look like well, you no, dumped pretty, it in mud. It's pretty covered. So, looks, I don't know. Looks pretty solid. Looks pretty looks pretty dirty to me, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I will mention that my uh, my notifications on Facebook have blown up all day because of that picture. So you did good. <laughs> you did good. So, so that's it. And right now I'm. Actually, I started airbrushing a couple um, other ones or whatever. So I'm I'm going to do, I got four, I actually have eight Land Raiders to do for the Army. So I got one down, so I got seven left. and But I only need five for my initial list, only five. So I'm going to do a, a group of two and then another group of two. And then I'll probably paint the infantry that goes in those, and then I'll have a, pl- a playable 2,500 point list. Um, that list isn't the exact list I'm taking to Adepticon, but three quarters of it is. And then I'll have to paint uh, one of the other Land Raiders, because these are all Phoboses, so I'll have to paint an Achilles. And then i got to paint um, some Power Armored guys to make get illegal for Adepticon. But I'm kind of holding, like, I don't even know if I'll get signed up for the one event that I want. I want the only event that my any of the, basically no matter how I build my Death Guard with the models that I own without going out and buying a ton of new shit, the only event that I can build a legal list for is the 2,000 point um, like, team event thing on Saturday. Yeah. So... I'm going to just go ahead and paint my normal 2,500 point list up that I just want to play like at my local club and whatever, and then worry about the other list. If I even manage to get signed up for that one event, because if I miss out on that one event, I'm, I'm not going to run out and buy like a whole bunch of other models, you know, Mm. just for that. I'll just play pickup games or whatever. For sure. For sure. And also don't tell your partner that you're going to be their partner until the day of the event. Just... No, it's not. It's not the team tournament. The team tournament's twenty five hundred points. That's in the competitive track. The team event is the Gomeza one, where you just go and they assign you a different person every round. Ah, okay, okay. I was just, man. I wonder how your curse is going to work with that. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't as, know. as soon as they pair you up with somebody, a plane's going to crash into the event center and. Just liquefy them. <laughs> well, hopefully they they give me somebody very young that's not susceptible to stroke or heart attack. Um, <laughs> Some young, healthy right. man or woman. Yeah, that, yeah, that should woman. be easy to find in this community. <laughs> <laughs> Some healthy-hearted horse heresy player. He's. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well. Sorry to hear you're working so much, Ryan, but it sounds like you're making some sweet-ass progress on those Death Guard. 
Yep, trying to. So, Scott, how's your project coming along? Fucking badass. It's on the way, or so I'm told from the email. Um, my, my, uh, oh shit. My, my bases, um, from Anvil Industries, I ordered like the 30 mil base toppers. Those are in New York, I guess, as early as November 3rd. So it's the 5th. So they should be here soon next week, I hope. Um, as long as I don't like my stuff doesn't fall into the pit customs shit sometimes does and if it does uh gonna revolt so i will have those we'll have those bits soon um my actual model should be here the the 20 vets and the delegatus guy i'm doing for my escalation league uh they should be should be in um tuesday from what i'm told so We'll see how that goes. And I only just remembered I need to order the transfer sheet, so I might have fucked myself a little bit by not doing that sooner because we all know Forge World uh, sometimes takes a little bit of time to get here. But the good news is I only ordered the transfer sheet, so I feel like maybe it'll be faster because it's not really a box. like It's just a reinforced envelope. So hopefully hopefully that's how that ends up working out. Um that's a negative. Also, <laughs> I just noticed. What's that? I said that's a negative. I ordered the Blood Angel transfer sheet. <clears throat> uh, what was it? The Blood Angel transfer sheet and paint. Uh, probably like two weeks ago, and it it, it took a fucking long ass time for that transfer Great. sheet to get to me. All right, well, <laughs> just just letting you know, just setting your expectations Good. for you, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate you tearing the skin, the fucking bandaid off. There we go. <laughs> Well, I'm going to work on them as much as I can up to the point where I need to start putting decals on because I have asked some decals like their Legion numbers and shit for their shoulder pads. But if you look at some of the World Eaters artwork, they have like chains painted across their armor. Yep. And I don't, you know, like I think on that transfer sheet, there's little blood like um, scratches and shit, which I could probably do freehand anyway but if i'm going to use the transfer sheet i want to try to use as much of it as i can because it's very expensive so um (laughs) i'll just work until you have a very very expensive piece of paper and uh i'm just gonna just gonna work up into the point to where i can't any longer and hopefully it'll be here by then i did just notice something fucking awesome from blood and skulls industries I was going to order the oppressor pattern treads for my uh, for my land raiders that powerful Evan sent me for my senior Santa, and he's making the Sagittarius kit with the oppressor pattern tank treads, so yeah. you can get those spiked ones go all the way around. I did not know that. That's fucking one hundred percent what I'm going to do now. So uh, that'll look really badass. I think. Uh, yeah, it sounds legit. Very, very worldly. Also- before, when you ordered that kit it, with the older ones that he had, if you wanted the front door to open up on your Land Raider, because the the bottom door and the top door on the front are connected, they have that little plastic rod and the two little cams on the side, so yeah. when you pull open one, the top one opens. The most important thing about that, even if you don't care about the door opening or painting the inside or whatever, if you don't forcibly glue it shut, it will constantly fall open if you don't have that device in there but anyway when you put that in there the little track rails um that that come to put his tracks on won't fit you have to slightly modify them which it's a pretty easy modification so anybody out there that has the older ones if you message me or email me i'll send you the pictures 
of what you have to do to fix it. It's real simple. That being said, I got with uh, Machinator and sent him my pictures of how I had to modify it and told him what was going on. So when he reordered the kits to restock, he redesigned them with the modifications already built in. So any of the newer ones that come out when you buy the newer ones, the ones you should get should already be pre-modified so that if you want your door to work, you don't have to fuck with it. You can just slap it on. Nice. Nice. Does uh does this thing come with um does this kit come with uh directions out of curiosity? No. It's pretty uh, simple though. Like the uh, I can show you how to do it. It's pretty straightforward. The little the little <clears> back plate just goes on in place of the one because the the original yeah. one has a back plate and then the two big finger things that go over the top, it looks like an H. It's an H shape. You you take that and just throw it away or use it for or conversion bits or whatever the hell you want to do. Um and it comes with a new back plate, and it's it's pretty it's real self explanatory. It it oh. goes on the back. It's real easy, and then the the little track things just glue right down into the grooves. It goes on like I said, super smooth, super easy. Just dry fit everything before you put glue on shit. And Sweet. then um, then the the track the little track plates themselves, you know, just glue on top of the rail. They're the little teeth slide right in the rail, so they go on real easy. The worst part is. And I mean, I bought eight of these kits, so God I'm damn. definitely, I'm definitely not <laughs> shitting on them at all because I bought eight of them. They're an awesome kit. You can see the, the results and the pictures I posted. I love it. I think it looks amazing. But cleaning the flash off of the tracks themselves. Now you're getting the other ones, so I don't know how they'll be. But the the, the ones that I have, the Liberator pattern ones. Oh my God! You would like. I would rather set fire to my genitals. Mm then clean the fucking flash off another one of those kits. It is I mean, so bad. Don't don't tempt me with a good time, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I fucking <laughs> I've had a few rough nights where I felt like my genitals were left off fire. But that's the sad point. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm uh played a game with my buddy Nick yesterday. Solar Ox against his Night Lords. So that was fun. Other than that, man, that's about it. I'm just I'm kind of. I've got my hobby area like set up. I bought all this, all the oil paints and shit I need to like make my stuff look very legit or I ho- what I hope will be legit. So we'll see, man. The comp storm. Fuck yeah, dude. That's exciting. Uh, <laughs> what is it? The Sar- is it Saren pattern helmet? Saren? Is that right? Saren? Sarum. Yeah, Sarum? yeah. I have a bunch of those too. I got a bunch of those from Ryan. I got like, so the vets I'm going to do. I have like the traditional Sarum pattern helmets that don't have bunny ears on them. I have some of them that do, like they're will look very different from the other ones that I'm going to use on my salt marines that are like a little more conventional. These are like I don't want to say witchy poo because world eaters aren't like very like witchcrafty, but they they definitely have a very distinct aesthetic to them that's more reminiscent of Chaos Marines. So I'm going to, and then I have a bunch of dudes with no helmets at all. So I'm going to do some skin tone work and all that good stuff. And I just want to make these guys look like old fucking psychos with, you know, all kinds of crazy shit going on. So that's the plan. The other, the other day I was looking for, uh, I was looking at like KF studio stuff and I was looking for like other resin bits and shit like that on the internet. And it was like one in the morning, two in the morning, something like that. And I came across this guy who took the Sarum pattern helmet from, uh, I guess, 
that would have been Karn the Betrayer, the uh, the 30k yeah, the the model. Yeah, and like he shaved yeah. everything off and just made it into a normal helmet, and then just started like resin casting these things, and so like he just sells like a fuckload of these, these Sauron pattern helmets, and. The only reason I didn't like share it amongst everybody is because like he's not the best resin caster, and I was like, ah, like, these are some like bottom level like recast shit. <laughs> like so some fucking. They're not like I could refine them if you wanted me to, but I was just gonna check to see if that was something you were interested my, in. My sarum, my sarum pattern helmet looks like it was made of butter and left out in the sun for a little too long. Like, <laughs> why does my sarum pattern helmet look like Louis Anderson's death mask? Like. <laughs> <laughs> why but uh yeah man so that's pretty much what i'm doing you're like yeah, yeah just, just uh if you could not look for those again that'd be great yeah <laughs> just don't I'm send just me that kinda, uh chip away at this army as it comes in you know what our the league we're doing is going to escalate by 250 points every two weeks so it'll go up 500 points a month and uh, I'm just going to buy the appropriate stuff to fill that in as I go. So. Dig it. Fan-fucking-tastic, dude. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see some work in progress from you. Because yeah. I've seen what you can do with white. And Oh, actually, I have seen your, your work in progress on what your paint schemes look like. Yeah, well, I've I've improved on that a little bit. I figured out why it was so dim. I used the wrong uh, mid-tone for my highlights and I, I got the right shit. I painted a White Scars Army a while back and uh, that was probably the best white I've ever done. And I'm going to do it in the same vein as that and I think it'll it'll look pretty good. Hopefully. Theoretically. So. Yeah, fuck yeah. Look forward to it. What about you, Derek? What you been working on? I haven't got a whole lot done. Uh, the last thing I think I did was I base coated that dreadnought after uh, posting the picture up on the RFI Facebook page. Immediately after which, everybody with a much cooler chain fist just kind of threw that up there. <laughs> oh yeah, the flipper. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had the you, you posted up the picture with the with the the flipper. Yeah. Like okay. I, yeah, like, I posted I posted the flipper theme song for him to get him in the mood. I don't know if anybody saw that. I did. I did see from that. the old TV show. I photoshopped the flipper onto a battle dolphin. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. that was <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for making my conversion less cool. <laughs> I appreciate that. But yeah, I got that dreadnought kind of base coated up. Uh, haven't really been able to get a lot of like hard painting done just because I don't have my airbrush set up, and I was mostly trying to work towards that. Um, You've also been working on a Leviathan though, right? I haven't got any paint on him yet. Okay. I've mostly just been uh, messing around with poses. Uh, stuff like that and trying to i've been working with my list trying to figure out if i can take the drop pods out and maybe like get some rhinos some land raiders something like that for them and seeing if i can convince myself to buy a spartan just because i think that'd be cool we can put in it some vergear or what uh shit i don't know yet oh but uh yeah just working on that uh kind of torn between revamping my list to not include orbital assault or just starting a trader force. Yeah, you've been looking into that uh, Emperor's Children, right? Yeah, I've been looking at Emperor's oh, Children. Oh, Night Lords, Night Lords, that's right. And I've also been looking into Night Lords. So So you've not even started painting like a single model yet, and you're already changing armies? This doesn't bode well. Well, I do have most of my troops pretty far pretty far along. I just need to like build a list so I know what I need to buy. <laughs> 
Like, I, I'm not stopping painting one thing to build another thing. I just like, you know, on my break at work, just messing around my list, trying to figure out, you know, what would be a cool, fun army to play so I know what to order. Okay. I mean, <laughs> Ryan's a good motivator. Is there not going to be space wolves anymore? No, I mean, they're going to be space wolves. It's just when I'm done with this one, I would like another project lined up so that once I do finally get to, you know, settle down and finish my shit, I'll uh, know what I'm doing Son, next. Son, don't half ass two things, whole ass one thing. What are you doing here? Stay, <laughs> all right, you know Stay what? on target. All right. Stay on target. I'm all right, going to send I'm gonna, you the fucking... Right. I'll go delete my list. I'll delete everything on my battle scribe except my current list. <laughs> don't, I don't know what the fuck, fuck I'm doing. Pull Porkins, goddamn, <laughs> have a problem here. Blow up in the oh, no orbit. Hey, Porkins was a goddamn hero. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get you and Michael on the ball. We like we sent out these closer patches, and only half the podcast has them. Yeah, what the fuck <laughs> is going on with that? Hey, that hey ain't right. I I have twenty five hundred points. The second man, I have like four Ryan's backs are getting pretty goddamn sore from carrying you fucks. I mean, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, so I might as well just do what I want to do. Honestly, (laughs) I'm gonna yell that no matter what. I mean, shit. (laughs) Y'all still gonna call me feel? I'm gonna do what I want. (laughs) Love it. Well, Derek, I'm glad you're doing something. Thank you. Somebody you've, appreciates what I'm trying to do around here. You've come a long way after this hurricane. You've come a long way. <laughs> back, back to my parents' house. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep accepting compliments from the other flake that doesn't have an army pants. I mean, if that makes sense. <laughs> it all makes sense. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I bet what off, happened I'll to those my finger because I'm a Michael. fucking idiot. I still have them. Huh? I, oh, I yeah. still have them. Yeah, they're right. They're all right here. Yeah, well. Hey, I've got I, I've at this point realized that the night idea is would be ill conceived, <laughs> ill conceived, and possibly a little dick face. Like no matter how you look at it, so I've uh, I've I've started a new project which I'm very proud of, very happy with right now, and it's it's keeping my interest alive because I have all this. Uh, you know, why don't I just talk about it, Derek? Are you done? I I, I guess so. I you guess should. so. I guess so. So right now I'm working on Ravenwing. And nice. We 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 knew, we all know this. We talked about it last last episode, and we've we've talked about all the different things that I've been getting to work on here. Uh, but this week, what's pretty cool is I've got all the upgrade kits in. I've got them all glued together. I got to get one test model painted up in the scheme that I learned from last week. So he's all painted up beautifully and i mean decently as good as i can make black look i'm pretty sure that uh at some point i'll take a class that will make me realize that i'm pretty shitty at painting black but you know for right now i'm pretty happy with it um i got some of the what is it the fallout hobbies vinyls the stencils nice so i got some checkers painted up on the wings just like uh, uh, it doesn't look great but you know hey i think i just used too much too much uh, paint from the airbrush, but um, so the checkers are on there. Uh, I've got the Tamiya. I taped off the red for the stripe on the front of it. Looks pretty decent, I must say so. I got some Speepy stems in to plug into some lava bases, some 60 millimeter lava bases that I have. Uh, so I mean, it's all there, and it's all the same thing. So it's not a whole lot that I have to 
have to get going. So I'm pretty I, I'm pretty happy with my progress this week. I like that you found the uh, the speepy stem thing. I'm going to definitely use those when I uh, <laughs> I get something appropriately, you know, requiring those because that is a fucking very much an anxiety inducing thing when you break break one of those little plastic stems off and inside a jet bike or a Land Raider. It's never coming back. Not a Land Raider, uh, like a javelin. The only thing that I, I have in, like, the, the, it's, it's self it's self brought on my part. Uh, so what I'm doing is I ordered these resin lava bases. I don't know if I talked about this last week. I feel like I may have because I, I want to OSL it. I think but, you mentioned it. Yeah, so, so I want to OSL these lava bases and OSL the bottom of the jet bikes. <laughs> But I know it's kind of beyond my capability right now. So uh, getting these speepy stems, I had to take a drill and I have to drill in each of these lava bases to get the speepy stem to step, fit in there. But I think it looks a lot better than just like the clear bases, but they're going to be rolling around <clears throat> on lava everywhere they go. Yeah, so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing. What, I would, what I'm planning on doing, I don't know if this is a great idea or not, is I'll just find out the diameter of the little... Uh, the little you know tab and then i have a hand drills like you use for pinning you can use those i'm sure because it it can't be that big of a hole i mean if you have a power drill that's like, like nice and not like mine that's from fucking 1964 and <laughs> requires to be plugged into the wall and shit uh you could do that too it shouldn't it shouldn't be that hard i wouldn't think no i think once you have in hand you can just kind of like eyeball it with the diameter of different drill bits and figure it out yeah that, that's exactly what i did already uh it's not too hard the only difficult part is sitting flush so you, you basically just drill it in and as long as you have it I, I i could tell you what drill bit i used but uh you just drill it in and then i kind of went a step down so it was kind of like it would fit super fucking snug and just force it in there the only problem is like uh i drilled directly into like lava <laughs> and where the like it cracks and all that because i'm just trying to get it in the middle of all these paces and the middle is never just as flat plane on anything but so getting it in there is kind of it's kind of funky but that's the only that's the only problem but no big deal so but yeah got my Got my uh, got my river wing coming along. I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with them so far. Got them all converted up. Yeah, looks nice. So, I guess that's it for everybody. I mean, is that is like is that where we're? Oh, shit, I don't, <laughs> that's I don't all know I had. Shit, where we're going with this? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's it. Fucking all the hobbies that happen. <laughs> so that's it, guys. That's all for the hobby progress. Looks like we all got some progress in. Looks like we all talked about it, so I guess we'll just move on to uh, some announcements. So, uh, first things first, uh, Heresy Camp announcements. We did get a reach back uh, from the uh, from Amelia. We got over... a reach back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get a fucking reach back. <laughs> this always a pleasant I've surprise. I've had a reach, a reach back, back, and I fucking can't tell you how long. <laughs> last time I got a reach back was probably the last time Rod had a day off. <laughs> <laughs> 
So well, as long as your as just as long as your wife doesn't get suspicious when we pass each other in the driveway, we should be good to go. Yeah. <laughs> so good news is, guys, over the camper on Aaron's on zoo, they did go ahead and contact us to let us know that they uh, that they are going to be open for the 2018 season, and they are going to be. Uh, confident that they'll be ready to accept heresy camp. So one of the things that we were worried about was whether or not they'd be able to accommodate everybody. So we did reach out and they, they did contact us back to let us know that we should be good to go. Uh, some, some weird updates that I kind of wanted to bring up uh, amongst the actual, you know, podcast members and everybody listening that plans on attending heresy camp. Uh, originally it was going to be a Friday to Sunday kind of thing. Uh, but I requested pricing uh, for a Wednesday to Sunday thing. So just if you're interested in that, just let us know. That way we can push it. The price will definitely have to go up on the tickets. But uh, I know, Ryan, when you were on the I Have Horse podcast, I was kind of listening to what you were saying about it being like a five-day event. And so I figured we may as well get pricing for five days. I don't know if that's going to be crazy. I don't know if that's way too much heresy, but working with kind of like the schedules and the way the scheduling works as far as, you know, like squeezing everything into three days. Uh, I'd like to see what the cost difference would be for a five days and it would just be popping off and taking off a couple extra days. I mean, that, that sounds fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the longer, honestly, the better. Cause I mean, we're going to have a bunch of people coming in from overseas and stuff. It sounds like it. And, the longer you can make it the the event, the more it's worth it to them. I mean, I guess I look at it, if you're getting two more full days in America, and I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out here, but let's say your ticket was an extra 100 bucks, 150 bucks, whatever. I mean, is that worth, like if you're coming from England or Australia or, you know, Sweden or wherever the hell you're coming from, or even from all the way across the U.S., you can't tell me that, you know, 100 to $200 isn't worth a full extra two days for lodging food and heresy gaming. Yeah. And, and breathing the sweet, sweet air of freedom here in America. <laughs> Not get that. Fucking sweet, sweet, free Texas air, too, at that. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> you said spit five days in beautiful, beautiful coastal Texas, man. Can't get wrong there. So I did get the price. I did request, and I actually sent that today, was I requested the pricing for that additional two days. So heresy camp might go from a three-day event up to a five-day event uh like I said, we'll get that pricing once we get once we get a little bit more settled uh we still are working on the schedule and how that's going to work for events right now events are, are looking good from painting classes i know there's people that wanted to do a uh, resin class a resin casting class uh people have talked about doing an led lighting class uh, terrain making class. I mean, all around, there's so many classes that people want to run at this thing and events that people want to run. So, uh, I don't think you're going to have any lack of something to do. So us bumping it up to more days only seems like the, the smart idea at this point, really. So, yeah, you don't have to attend all of them. I mean, like if you, if you only wanted to come for three, I mean, if you pay your money, you can do what you want. True day. Yeah, this is this is America, okay? You get to <laughs> you get to have it your way. Yeah. So yeah, we're definitely trying to make it uh, something that is going to be like a premier event, like the event. So 
definitely get it taken care of. But that that is the announcements we had, so it is still on. Uh, we are still looking for the end of September, I believe uh, September 21st to the 23rd. And then uh, if we bump it back, it'll be the uh, 19th to the 23rd. That would be a oh never mind. I'm looking at this year's calendar. I'll shut the fuck up now. <laughs> so yeah, nineteenth to the twenty third. Yeah, that's right. I had to double check myself. <clears throat> so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it, guys. Once again, if you want to be a camp counselor uh, for ha- Camp Heresy, like if you want to run an event or you know somebody that wants to run an event, if you know somebody that like gives painting classes, if you know somebody that has classes already that they give out, and this is something that they you think that they should want to go to to go teach maybe it's going to be good for them or maybe you know let us know let them know to contact us and we'll go ahead and uh see what we can do as far as getting them in you know getting everybody scheduled is kind of the difficult part right now just because of the amount of events that we have uh lined up so so that's it for heresy camp announcements y'all guys want to add anything or no i just i can't wait to do it i mean like you said i i think i don't know how Somebody else would have to really go pretty far out of their way to top this event-wise that's specifically for Heresy. I mean, I think we found out what the next level is. I don't know if how feasible it would be. Oh, Heresy Cruise? Heresy Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. That's <laughs> I'm going to tell those never end well, man. I've never seen a Carnival Cruise in the fucking news where things just went swimmingly. I mean, Not yeah, doing I also- it. I also hate fucking boats, so I may just uh, be on Two the... problems. Very afraid of sharks, all right? <laughs> Number two, you know. I don't want the kind of meningitis you pick up on a fucking cruise ship. So... <laughs> How the fuck do you get scurvy, Scott? We're only on, we're only on the water three days. Yeah, dude, that's one of my one of my favorite. It's always sunny in Philadelphia quotes. That my man, that you got there is sailor's rot. <laughs> he fucking sprays miracle grow on him. He, he's his fucking doctor, Doctor Jakes. <laughs> oh, it's fucking great. It's gonna be a a, a whole. <laughs> you know what? Hold on one second. Let's. Let's take let's take a step back here because this actually reminded me of something. So last week, Scott, you actually talked about uh, Shia LaBeouf, right, and his whole, you know, uh, his battle his whole battle with 4chan. So, <laughs> so we actually had a number of people contact us on our Facebook page on the the Facebook chat to talk to us about Shia LaBeouf and like <laughs> where we can get more information on where this is all going down. And uh, one of our listeners actually sent us a link to this YouTube channel called The Internet Historian. And I've been fucking killing every one of those YouTube... Like, every single one of those YouTube videos I have been watching because this guy gets it. Like, he understands how to keep you engaged. He talks about these things like they're fucking... Uh, battles like it's 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 insane. This dude's incredible. I feel like I'm in a, a Jason Bourne movie when I'm watching <laughs> it. I'm like, yes, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking fantastic. But the the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because there was one internet historian episode where he talks about Rainforest. Like, I don't know if you, have y'all heard about Rainforest, like this massive furry convention that took place in a Hilton. 
Oh, wow. Those never end well. Okay, so... Yeah, people shitting in litter boxes in the middle of the <laughs> lobby and stuff. So, so exactly. That's exactly what happened. So, there's people running around in diapers, and it's called crinkling uh, because of the noise the diaper makes. And these are full-ass diapers. Uh, oh. There was people doing drugs. Uh, somebody had taken all of the towels from the uh from the like jacuzzi area and dumped them in the jacuzzi uh somebody went and like undid uh uh piping in the bathroom to like <laughs> what the fuck to, so when the next person flushed it like flooded the entire bathroom with like two inches of water that leaked through the bathroom floor onto the servers of the hilton like underneath in the basement uh yeah so it was a. Uh, like that's all I can imagine. Like we're gonna try and hold Heresy Cruise, and it's gonna be like rain first. It's not gonna go well. That's right, man. <laughs> We've got to draw a sociological line somewhere, and we're, we're all dressed up like football mascots and fucking each other. That's the line, right there. Man. No, no more. I cannot stand. So, so yeah, so. uh I mean, we're very like a like a a, a very specific <laughs> type of people that play Warhammer, and then on top of that, like the ones who play Horus Heresy, like we're we're a very niche group. But Jesus Christ, I could not imagine all of us on a cruise together oh, doing God knows what. Can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. I mean, I've seen some I've seen some Facebook comments that people leave, and I just think to myself, Jesus yeah, Christ, there's I no hope laws I never... <laughs> out there either, man. <laughs> There's only one law, the law of the sea. <laughs> it, uh, you know, I think Josh De La Rosa would take a huge advantage of that. <laughs> We're in international waters. That can't be tried. <laughs> I'm going to go, like, just like when Derek came up to me at fucking Stiff 3 and said, we may or may not have just live streamed Zach's ball. Like, that was... Like I think it would come up to like, hey man, just a heads up, nothing to freak out about. Uh, Josh has started a mutiny on the ship. <laughs> He's taking the ship, and uh, something about I don't know, West Africa. I don't. He can get a sweet deal, and then we'd have to call up Dan Porter to come save us. Yeah, exactly. Could bri- bribe, a, bribe a custom agent with fucking vodka and then cut some fools in half with a fucking shipping cable or whatever. You know, I would feel safer in West Africa as long as Dan Porter knew I was there. Like, in my he, heart, like, I feel like, like, I'd, not... be like I'd be like, hey, guys, don't, don't panic. Dan knows we're here. Like, <laughs> he's not there with you. He's just somewhere on the globe. He knows that you're there. Yeah, if he doesn't hear back from you, he's going to be like, hey, did the guys make it back from their cruise yet? No, it actually got taken to West Africa. He got they got taken to the Horn. I'd be like, God damn it, I'll be back. And I think we'd be all right. So anyway, yeah, go look up for uh, Rain Forest. Uh, it's not like spelled like forest. It's spelled F U R R E S T. And Internet Clever. Historian, you'll have a great time. I'm glad that whoever whoever recommended that, thank God, bless you, bless your heart. So. That's it for Heresy Camp announcement and possibly Heresy Cruise uh, hint, which. <laughs> oh, God. So let's talk about this book delay. Let's, uh, let's bring this up. So Forge World announced this past Friday when, every, when all of the pre-orders were supposed to take place that 
for the new Horus Heresy Version 1 rulebook. Uh, they announced on Friday through email, through the normal method. This is actually the first ever email that I've ever gotten like this, uh, where something was supposed to be released, but they sent an email saying that it has been delayed. I've, I've actually never seen like any delay email come from Forge World, but I think this was the first time they ever pre-announced something before it was released. And I think worst case scenario happened, uh, and uh, there was some sort of quality issue with the actual book itself from from what i understand um that was what so what it was announced in the in the email uh there was some dude talking shit on facebook saying that the uh the forge world team doesn't know how to use spell check that's why uh they didn't release it and andy whore came in there uh and like keyboard bitch slapped this guy and let him know it's like hey uh, no, that's not at all what happened. The rumors you heard was wrong and uh, got back on place that it was actually uh, just like it, it apparently was like a, a from from what I've heard on the rumor mill. It was like a binding issue is, is what the, the rumors going around right now. But regardless, it looks like they have uh, did what's right. You know, I mean, instead of sending him out a fuckload of books on the first run that did not come out to quality spec and instead of just releasing it out and getting their money out of it, they decided to cancel the run and cancel the, cancel the release. So I ain't mad about it. You know, I, I mean, what do you guys think? No, I'm not mad about it either. I mean, as, as long, like if there was a quality issue, I would rather them do that. than like you said, release a subpar product. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, they don't have an expectation on what this delay is going to look like. Uh, however, if anything, I know they were from paper to print in like two weeks last time. So I don't know if they were looking at another two weeks. I don't, we, we, right now we're just kind of left in the dark at this point. So, but I would imagine we'd see something before December, possibly don't take our word for it. We have no idea. (laughs) I mean, I can't see it being delayed further than that. Just if it's just a print quality issue. Yeah, it's all speculation at this point. I'm just glad that uh, Andy Hoare, like, patrols the Crusade and Heresy Facebook page. And just shut that dude down? And shut that shit down <laughs> so quick. God bless it. God, what a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything else you want to bring up on the book delay? I mean, that's pretty much all the news. Like, if you guys didn't know that, if you listen to this, Facebook, if you listen to this uh, podcast and didn't know that, man, I'm glad we announced it for you. Because you would, it just, it it just it sucks a little bit, but it's not that big a deal. I got my finger on the trigger, ready to pull it as soon as the book shows up. I got a uh, three, uh, three Sakaran and Arcus, and some other shit in my cart, plus a bunch of stuff for the game club and everything else that's just waiting on that book. Just ready to fucking pull that trigger. And remember, guys, when yeah. you order your book, put Radio Free Estevan made me bust inside the comments inside the shipping instructions that way the people that forge world knows you listen to radio freest van and so far apparently this has already started happening because people are asking us before they complete their forge world orders whether or not what the, what were they supposed to put so get in yeah. on, get in on this guys it's a thing it's a thing let us let them know who made you bust so 
So that's it for the book delay. That's all we got for that announcement. Uh, man, dude, this episode's kind of flying by. Kind of, kind of not a lot going on. I guess we're just gonna have to <laughs> just move on to some voicemails. That's good. That's right, baby. Good. Keep Scott on here longer. <laughs> yeah, because it's the Iron also, Warrior episode. Also, um, I'm gonna have to go get something to eat because I'm starving. So you guys maybe get to go on a trip to Wendy's with me while we record. Okay. Oh, That'll be an exciting thing. Nice. I can't wait to hear Ryan order that bacon later. Yeah, I want I want you to listen to one thing I'm about to tell you right now, okay? It's a math equation. It's French okay. fries plus chocolate frosting equals fucking delicious. Okay, if you haven't dipped those Wendy's French fries in a chocolate frosty, treat yourself, okay? Fucking yeah, my wife does that. She loves that shit. Spread your wings tonight. Spread your wings. Today is the day, the first day of the rest of your life, Ryan Kimmel. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I was on the phone with Tom Gould when I went through the, uh, you know, he's from Australia, and I went through the Steak and Shake drive-thru and ordered double steak burgers with cheese and mayo, and he's like, Jesus Christ, like, what are you Americans eating over there? He was, like, trying to imagine what a steak burger is. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly how it fucking sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. What's next? Voicemails, man. We're on to voicemails at this voicemails. point. And then I actually have an infomercial that I have to play for for the podcast. So before we get into Iron Warriors, I'm going to go ahead and play that play this uh, infomercial we have that comes from Little Legends, which I think y'all guys are going to enjoy it quite a fucking bit, if anything. So here's our voicemail that we got. Ryan the- oh. Hey guys, Helicopter Shane. Hey, I got a question. Did Ryan go to some kind of painting course with like the letter M in it? Yeah, let me know. All right, that's fine. So that was Helicopter Shane. You want to know if Ryan went to a painting course? Did you? Yes. Yes, I went to the MKA painting course and also some CK Studio painting courses. And yeah. I'm about to go back to a CK Studios painting course and I'm looking at going to miles this course in montreal but i'm trying to get shit sorted to see how because i only have so many vacation days and uh i got heresy camp adepticon um some other shit that almost slipped out there that only the patron guys know about right now um <laughs> uh and, and some other stuff lined up the michigan gt like things that i'm already obligated to do and i only have so many vacation days so they're like super precious so i uh trying to get that sorted out that's fair that's fair so but yes shane we were trolling him uh last episode about me going to mka i don't i think he's jealous or something that he doesn't get to go or something and he said i wouldn't shut up about it so now i just talk about it even more because it's fun every five minutes every five minutes dude you also went to a Wapple course, man. Don't forget Mr. Powerful Wapple. Oh, yeah. J- yeah, James is fucking awesome. He's not... I didn't see him uh, at Adepticon this year. Did anybody else see him on the little event sheet? Because I looked to take oh, yeah. another one of his classes. I didn't- oh, yeah, he's there. He is there. Oh, he is there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I actually was looking at a couple of his classes. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. But, yeah, the, 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 okay. by the way, the Adepticon list is out, guys. Go ahead and see the classes. Uh, you took his, was it his 
bust one? Did you take the full bust one? Is that the one you took? Are you talking about somebody different? No, I, I thought I thought Wapple had a bust course where he's painting like full size busts as well. Uh, maybe he does. No, I didn't take that one. I took his weathering course on like mm. historical miniatures. No, oh, okay. He's one of the painters for War Games. The people who do. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll we'll talk about our our courses and what we're going to take. But uh, I, I did see him on there. So, but that's it, man. That's all we got for voicemails. You really slacked this week on voicemails, guys. But I guess y'all knew it was going to be the Iron Wars episode. So the sooner that you you uh, you slacked, you know, you, you left the email the voicemails off so that we could have Scott for the entire yeah, portion. You get to listen to my my southern accents mixed with subtle notes of. Uh, down syndrome and autism there you go <laughs> <laughs> very solid note mind you <laughs> all right guys so before we move to the iron warriors portion of this episode we're going to go ahead and slip into a commercial for you guys and uh then we'll get on it so just just for, so y'all know this this commercial this infomercial that i'm about to play for you guys uh was recorded by miles and jake bussy from oh, the wow. <laughs> from the Covenant of Fire podcast, so I love it. I love it so much because for one, Jake Bussey is probably the best voice actor I've ever heard in my day, hands down. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and get it going for you guys. So stay tuned. We'll be back. Has this ever happened to you? I'll never understand these painting techniques. I may as well just quit. Well, not anymore with Little Legend Studios Painting Masterclass. Hi. I'm Little Legend. We all struggle with those internet techniques. Airbrushing, wet blending, color theory. Let me demystify these for you. Coming this January, 13th and 14th, Montreal, Quebec. 20th, 21st, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'll be teaching airbrushing color theory classes. Bring your dreadnoughts, bring your rhinos. I'll guide you through those advanced weathering and finishing techniques to get the best from your miniatures. With the Little Legends Masterclass system, we'll turn this, I am so frustrated by these advanced painting techniques, into this, and here is your Crystal Brush Award. Wow, thanks, Little Legend. For more information on the Little Legend Painting Masterclass, please contact littlelegendstudio at gmail.com. That's JP too. That's JP in there too. Yeah, JP was in there too. Why yeah, does so, Jake sound so manically depressed in that fucking yard? Because he doesn't understand advanced techniques, Scott. He's I confused so. by those advanced I mean, techniques off the internet, that's Scott. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the intertubes. <laughs> I'm so frustrated by these advanced painting techniques. <laughs> God, I could play that commercial all the time. Can I ever tell you my... So my wife, Emily, is a huge fan of infomercials. And this is not a made-up thing. She's a legit fan. And her favorite thing is when people, when they're always like, have you ever had this problem? And then the person is always trying to do, like, a really simple task. But then they <laughs> fuck it up and make a really stupid face on purpose. And like, like, they're trying to open a jar. And then they, like, fumble it into the air. And it, like, shatters or, like, hits their kid in the face or whatever. Um <laughs> Or they'll spill hot coffee on themselves, or like or run they're over trying to work a blender or... and they can't get the lid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. spill like really everywhere. bad. And then they, 
it shows them like huff and then like make a weird face and look into the camera and shake their head. That's her favorite part. So I found like a B-roll of nothing but moments of that. That was like 30 minutes long from infomercials of people failing at basic shit and infomercials and sent it to her. And she was like, this is the most glorious gift you've ever given me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. Oh, I love it. I'm just so frustrated by these advanced painting techniques. <laughs> so frustrated. <laughs> All right, guys, on to Iron Warriors, which is probably where most of you are listening to this episode right now. Uh, we always see a spike from new players on these episodes uh, because we're talking about legions that you're interested in. So uh, if you've looked at the timestamp and you're just now joining us, uh, I'm glad you got to hit that infomercial because I was sneaky and put the timestamp for before this section because I wanted you to hear that shit. It's hilarious. Listen to the rest of the podcast. It's also pretty funny. But anyway, so on to this section of the podcast, we're going to talk about the Iron Warriors and some of their fluff, special rules, special units and characters, rights of wars that are really good for them, and the special rights of wars that they have. And then uh, uh, that's going to be it. We're going to go over that. So we actually have powerful Scott, if you don't know, and if you're actually uh, just now listening to the podcast for the first time, uh, Scott is a seasoned and veteran Iron Warriors player himself. So go ahead and say what's going on, Scott. What's going on, Scott? So, uh, so good news is uh, Scott will have be able to pull his two cents in, uh, and we will definitely hear it from a veteran Iron Warriors player on what you should do. So let's first break this down. Uh, we'll go ahead and go over the fluff on the Iron Warriors. Uh, so first things first on fluff, uh, let's talk about their Primark. So Iron Warriors Primark is going to be Perturabo. So he's going to be uh, the – oh, my goodness. Sorry about that. This is my phone started playing again. He's going to be uh, one of the first Primarchs that was found by the Emperor. He actually was put onto the planet Olympia. Uh, I guess I guess do we need to explain what happened to the Primarchs again? Do we need to do that every episode? How the Primarchs were scattered all over to different planets by chaos, sent everywhere. Boom, covered. Done, covered. Go. If you need more on that, That's we're not the podcast. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the this is not the podcast to learn how that well went down. Yeah, you so, don't learn to swim by jumping in the fucking deep end. So <laughs> So Perturabo ended up on the planet Olympia. He was uh, adopted well, actually he was scaling a mountain and the his adopted father was a was a was a tyrant of Olympia, kind of like a king of Olympia, but kind of some high royalty on Olympia itself. And the theme of the theme of Olympia is it's ba- is basically supposed to be like Greece when it was divided into city states. Exactly. And there's a ton, a ton of Greek uh intertwining history inside of this entire story. If you go read up on Perturabo. So either way, so uh Perturabo was obviously some sort of, you know, God, just like every other uh, every other planet found the, that found the Primarch realized that they had something special, uh, they ended up naming Perturabo uh, the name of a god, and instead of just these normal you know royalty names, they made they named him uh, pretty powerful. So Perturabo, being on this planet of pretty much nothing but siege warfare because of the mountain monotonous regions and the different city states attacking each other and destroying each other. He used the the best technology and some of the best siege warfare to actually uh, dominate each and every one of these uh, uh, these kingdoms. So he very quickly became 
kind of like the the iron tyrant of the of Olympia. He quickly kind of forced it into submission using advanced siege warfare and advanced siege tactics, and was was very intelligent about the way he did things. He was very calculated. Uh, he's uh, one of the more intelligent Primarchs, I would say. Uh, he's up there with Magnus. Uh, however, instead of you know Magnus, who looks towards more, uh, uh, I guess the ways of the warp, uh, Perturabo looks towards technology and uh, and tactics. And he's he's X's nose, man. If Magnus is Phil Jackson, fucking Perturabo is Vince Lombardi. So <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so Perturabo. Pretty. Uh, n- there's not a lot known of what happened whenever the emperor discovered him. Whether or not it was an open arms kind of thing, or or whether some sort of deal was made, but uh, Perturabo w- did eventually get uh, obviously got discovered fun, by the emperor. Good. Fun fact: if uh, if any of you out there, Black Library readers, which I hope you are, they just released the uh, well, not just, but within the last six months, they released the Perturabo novella, like the backstory novella, uh, the series of books Black Library is doing. And it's really, really good. And it's, I don't want to give away like spoilers because that kind of devalues a product that's worth investing in. But uh, it's going to shed a lot of light on his backstory and how all, all of that stuff, if you're concerned at all about his more formative years before like the heresy proper as we know it and what is covered by the Black Books, that book especially will cover his his story very very well and in depth more in depth than anything else has in the last you know 20 years so dig it any reason why he can see the the giant scar in space oh well i mean the thing his is are, it, it describes his eyes as being weird so he's got like weird eyes so i always think of like how all the primarchs have a mutation it like his is like he's got like warp tainted eyes right and and a lot of them are, some of them are more, you know, obvious than others have kind of a tie to chaos. Like Sanguinius has a mutation of wings, things like that. Magnus has psychic powers, so on and so forth. Curse has, you know, foresight and like, um, you know, what's the word for it? Prescience, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of a... It's like when they write those passages, what I have interpreted it as is it's sort of the pull of the warp and chaos on on Perturabo. Like everybody has it in their own way. That's just his way. He he's very omnipresent of the Maelstrom Star, which was pretty close to Olympia as is. And uh, but but if you read Angel Exterminatus, anything, no matter where he goes, he always sees it throughout the galaxy. So, yep. And it, it almost, to me, implies, and this is this is kind of inferred for me, it may totally just be me making it up, but to me it infers he's almost like Borge from X-Men, that his warp-tainted eyes, he can look at you can look at mechanisms and almost instantly know how they work and how to tinker with them and, like, yeah. make them better or whatever. It's almost like that's kind of his power. Yeah, I'd agree. Absolutely. So... He's like, they make a lot of uh, uh, comparisons between him and like a Da Vinci style character who, you know, is interested in like clockwork stuff and, you know, not not so much like the super fine arts, like interpretable arts, but things with function, you know, 
especially in Angel Exterminatus, that's a big one, is you actually, they describe, like, his workshop and him making, like, little 40K models and stuff like that. So. Absolutely. So, back on to him being accepted in by the Emperor. So, when he gets pulled in by the Emperor, uh, he's actually, he's gifted his Legion, and he starts looking over his Legion and how they performed, and definitely found them wanting. He was not proud of his Legion's... Uh, uh, accomplishments. He was not proud of the, the Legion itself. So, uh, being the cold, calculated person he is, he decided to have uh, what's known as the Decimation. So, this was a lottery that he did amongst his Legion, and every 10th Legionnaire was beat the fuck up by the other 9 Legionnaires. So, Killed. Not beat the fuck up, beaten to death. Yeah, be, yeah, beaten to death, murdered, and like beaten to death by the other nine legionnaires. Anybody want to add into this? Because it's pretty fucking brutal. Uh, I mean, yeah. So shit. basically, he, he put them on a parade field and picked one in ten and told others to, you know, fucking beat them to death. And the the funny thing is, is he came to this conclusion to like do this. He evaluated his legion's performance before the Great Crusade and. The reason, one of the main motivations he chose to do this was he felt like they took too many unnecessary losses and like too many unnecessary risks in combat and shit. So his way of solving that issue was to do this, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and some of the some of the other Primarchs lost their shit over this and wanted him immediately removed from command. Yeah, they're like, he's clearly fucking totally nuts. Who does that? But... <laughs> Dude, for real. Yeah. Could you imagine well, I mean, being led, any, of the, any of the other Prime works? <laughs> yeah. It led to tensions later on between, like, you know, him and Gilliman and him and Dorn and things like that. It's kind of the start of all of that. There, just... there really is a theme that kind of develops with the backstory of the Prime Marks where it's like Gilliman or Ferris or, you know, the normal guys. You're... You're like, well, you know, I can see why you would put them in charge. But what I don't understand is when someone, like, the very first thing they do when you put them in charge is this shit. How does that not send up red flags? Like, are you not like, ooh? <laughs> I just imagine Sanguinius like, oh, my. <laughs> like, goodness Oh, oh heavens. <laughs> do not look, my sons. Do not look. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Because, because I know Scott so well, after last night, I can I think Scott imagines fucking uh, Sanguinius talking like George St. Pierre. Uh, yeah, absolutely. GSP <laughs> is Sanguinius's voice. They not. They not. Uh, you do not want me to make me go to my dark place. <laughs> the alien, the cubby data. Look it Oh shit! But yeah, man, that's pretty. So, that's pretty harsh. So yeah, day one, Perturabo uh, fucking hits a deep end pretty fucking hard. So like, if you if you if you're keeping track, he's not the the nicest. He doesn't really love his soldiers too much. Like some of the other Primarchs, like Sanguinius, even Fulgrim loved his peeps. Uh, the Lion didn't really give a shit too much. Like just thinking of the people we've already talked about, but uh, Perturabo is pretty fucking cold as shit. You're a tool. That's all you're used for. Get it together. So, just to give you an idea of who Perturabo is. So, 
And he was very uh, moody. He would fly into rages. Like, he would, you never really knew his mood, and, like, all of his troopers were always scared of bringing bad news because of his, like, he was, like, almost bipolar. Yeah. They didn't want to get pounded into the fucking deck by a giant hammer or anything, so. <laughs> so, moving on into the Horus Heresy, when actually, uh, and, and I guess not the Horus Heresy, the, uh, the Great Crusade. Uh, Perturaba was was well known for his his siege warfare tactics, and uh, the Legion was known and was utilized in that way pretty commonly. So they were forced into these extremely, I guess, daunting siege craft and siege warfare attritional attritional word yeah very yeah high cash high casualties just fucking grinding fucking battles and so that was pretty much what you could expect to happen if you're a fucking iron warrior was these pretty pretty horrible horrible battles and you know they're uh, per- they're essentially the running back that you hand the ball off to that gets four yards per carry and gets you all the way down to the field only for the quarterback to then like throw it to the tight end and then score the touchdown and be yeah. a fucking touchdown be a touchdown a- vulture. That's why they're exactly. So if you wanted uh, to break it down like that, it's like Marshawn Lynch in the 2015 seasons of the Seahawks, where you get all the way to the Super Bowl and the last play, they decide to go ahead and just throw it to all the fuck away. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what Perturabo is. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Still. He's a, like I said, he's an X's nose guy, so he understands kind of the logistics of protracted siege warfare and that's they they have a cute little nickname for for the iron warriors called the corpse grinders and how they got that nickname was in the early days of the great crusade all like the solar ox and you know militia that would get allied in with uh with the iron warriors they get into these fucking insane siege warfare, you know, battles and things that last forever and ever and cost a ton of like manpower and blood and all this stuff. Well, they would just feed, you know, because they don't they don't think in terms of humanity. They think in terms of accomplishing the mission and logistics and stuff. So they're just feeding bodies constantly, constantly into the into combat. So all the solar ox would. And uh, the Imperial Army would nickname them the Corpse Grinders because if you got assigned an Allied detachment to the Iron Warriors, you were fucked. Like you were going to die because they don't they don't give a shit about their own legionnaires. They're definitely not going to give a shit about some pissant human with a las rifle. <laughs> Very good. So if you decide to ally your army up with some militia, just keep that in mind because. Sacrificial offerings, very fitting. Very, yeah. very fitting. Absolutely. So, moving on further into the heresy, uh, the uh, Perturabo discovered that Olympia, the planet that he took over, that was his planet, everything like that, has gone into a revolt and has gone into a revolution. So, they're not paying their tithings. They decided that to disown the emperor. Some say horse made it happen. Some say it didn't. It doesn't fucking matter. All that matters is Perturabo immediately saw that he was possibly the only Primarch whose planet went into revolt. And if you remember that short temper we were talking about for Perturabo, it fucking came the fuck up. So uh, I think 
think Scott might know quite a bit about this. Do you do you want to go and explain what happened on Olympus? Yeah, yeah. So his adoptive father, uh, Demekos, was like the head tyrant of Olympia, and he only became that after Perravo, like he he found Perravo adopted, and Perravo grew grew, in, grew up enough to actually help him fight. And he unified Olympia, unified all those city-states and shit. Well, Perrabo's been off on the Great Crusade, and that Demeco's guy is just a human, so he gets old and dies. Well, all uh, of Perrabo's other brothers and sisters and shit, they were Demeco's actual biological children. They revolt about who's in charge now and shit. And all those city-states that were unified under Perrabo fractured again. So... He comes back to deal with this shit storm and, yeah, doesn't, uh, I mean, he handles it predictably, I guess. <laughs> As you would Border, borderline him. levels the fucking planet. Like, he decimates the entire planet. Like, he takes the entire population and kills one in ten of everybody who lives there. So, so at this point, Perturabo is like, I fucked up. Like he's he's kind of he's kind of worried. He thinks to himself, like Jesus Christ, this is pretty much right. unforgivable. The emperor was kind yes. of already pissed that I killed one in ten of my legion, but now I did it to this fucking planet, and I, I'm it's right. pretty unforgivable. Well, the one thing we point. didn't talk about because every every primarch has like a flaw, almost like their fatal flaw. So his is paranoia. Not only does he have a like bipolar temper, but he's extremely paranoid. Yeah, yeah, and he um. Uh... After he does this, you know, and flies off the handle and kills all these people and basically raises Olympia to the ground, he enslaves the population and starts putting them into, like, labor gangs and stuff. He has, like, that moment of retrospect where he's like, I have really fucked up and is, you know, pretty bummed out about that. And he's like, what the fuck have I done? I can't. I've gone too far, you know, all this. This this is really the chink in his arm. Like, this is where they, you know, Horace got his fingers in him and fucking started messing with his buttons. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Bless you. Good God. Yeah, I know. Good etiquette. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of where Horace found his, found his, uh, his, his flaw in him to start manipulating him and getting him to, getting him to dance kind of like he wanted him to. So it, it was very, it's very like one of those, like, uh, like Horace rolled up and was like, "Dude, the Emperor's never gonna forgive you for doing that." But you know who yes. will forgive you? I'd I'll forgive, forgive you, you buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very and much. Somehow, it's a- <laughs> somehow, like even being as smart as fucking Perturabo is, he's just like, "Thanks, Horace. <laughs> I needed that. I trust you." Even Something you- funny that that kind of occurs like later in the road and uh angel exterminatus takes place like a uh, pretty far after this book does after hammer of olympia does his um uh, his like biography piece proto is pretty aware that he's fucked up like before chaos starts messing with him and you know no one's growing horns or anything like that or anything crazy he just knows like he he says it pretty matter of factly in angel exterminatus he's like a fucked up like this was definitely the bad wrong choice, but I made it and I'm here now, so I've got to kind of see it through. So, <laughs> which is well, super is tragic. Bed. I mean, really, it's like one of the saddest things. You're like, well, I have 
absolutely got on the wrong train, but I'm fucking on it, so we'll see where it ends up, you know. So, it was yeah. like me in the London Underground. There you go. <laughs> yep. So, absolutely. So, uh, Perturabo ends up receiving from Horus as a gift uh, Forge Breaker from, uh, from Ferris Manus, and, and this is after Istvan. Uh, he's, he's given this hammer as kind of like a, a, a gift for deciding to turn against the emperor. Um, as the heresy continues, uh, Horus is approached by Fulgrim. Like, and this is actually in the book, Angel Exterminatus, uh, where Fulgrim wants him and Perturabo to go find this Angel Exterminatus and investigate the Angel Exterminatus. Uh, then, Fulgrim ends up fucking Perturabo over later on to ascend to his demonhood. And at that point, Perturabo's pretty pissy about it and decides to completely investigate what ascending to demonhood becomes. And so he goes to the Eye of Terror to go go learn about becoming the demon. Which, usually when you do that, you end up as the demon. So... Uh, uh, moving on to that, I guess, uh, what siege of Terra? Yeah, I think so. Like thus far in the heresy, you know, there's, there's the really old fluff from back in the day about, you know, what, what they kind of go through, but I don't, I don't know that they have picked up Perturabo's story arc since, um, since the angel exterminatus thing happens like there's there's stuff that happens at the battle of fall and all that with the, the imperial fist in the book the crimson fist but uh <clears throat> as far as siege of terror stuff i really don't know i guess we're we're you know we're coming up on it soon i would think in the book so they're gonna have to pick up on it and elaborate on that a little more yeah unless it unless it gets retconned we do know that perturabo is present at the siege of terra yeah. and plays a yeah. critical role in breaching the walls of the siege of terra or of terra and uh unfortunately i don't know how we made it this far he uses but, the he uses the guns that lionel johnson was dumb enough to give him yeah yeah yeah, yeah we, we do know that but it, i don't know how we made it this far into the into this perturabo's talk without discussing his hatred for Rogel Dorn, <laughs> but he hates the fuck out of Rogel Dorn, the Primarch of the Imperial Fist. Uh, so th- the reason why he hates him, he just thinks he's arrogant, he thinks he's stupid, and then at one point when Rogel Dorn builds the fucking the walls for Terra, he says even the Iron Warriors couldn't break these, bring these walls down. And Perturabo's like, bet, bet, son. Oh yeah, you just gonna say noted. that? Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna say that in my well, face reason, like that. I'm right. Like I'm standing right other, here. The reason they don't like each other is because they're basically the same guy. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, and like he, he, he like like Rogel Dorn's like the pretty boy version of Perturabo, really. Like he's you know the one who got all the glory and stuff, and was close with their father, and you know, the same like complex all the Primarchs really have. So he uh, he hates that dude. <laughs> Yeah, they, they hate each other. Like, uh, Perturabo knows he's smarter than Rogaldorn and better than Rogaldorn in, like, every way. But, you know, he just he comes with flaws. So, he's like the, uh, that, like, shitty kid in high school, that poor kid in high school that's, like, in drama, into drama and stuff. And, like, he's just, he's just an outcast, unfortunately. So, 
Anyway, Siege of Terror happens. We really don't know too much about the role he played and all that, except we do know that he was critical in fucking Terra up. So, uh, whenever Horus ends up dying and everybody starts, all the traders start retreating from Terra, uh, the Imperial Fist and Rogodorn are pretty solidly pissed off at Perturabo and the Iron Warriors uh, specifically for this because, you know. Basically, Rogaldorn's been like waiting to beat the shit out of Perturabo since day one, and so he takes it. He takes it personally, and he like wants to attack the Iron Warriors personally. Well, unfortunately, and this is probably one of my favorite stories. It might get retconned. We don't know yet, but um, during this whole you know Eye of Terror stay and everything like that that uh, that Perturabo did whenever he was trying to figure out how demons work. Uh, somehow nobody really understands how he commissioned an entire planet to be made into like a siege planet called the iron cage. So he decided to hunker down onto this planet and Rogel Dorn and this all is the after, this is after the siege of Terra. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. This, yeah. this is, this is when Rogel Dorn is chasing them away. Like this is, a, this is a yeah. good portion uh, after the siege of Terra. So, while this is going on, Rogel Dorn ends up pretty much taking his entire fucking company of Imperial Fist. And this is a pretty big deal. Uh, he takes the entire Legion of the Imperial Fist and takes them uh, to this giant trap planet that, that Perturabo has set up. And once they get on, it's full of traps, it's full of trenches, it's full of just death. So... The entire legion, including Rogaldorn, gets demolished down to like what, like two hundred Imperial Fist, I believe, is what they say, and they have to get bailed out by Reboot Gilliman, like, and the the Ultramarines. So, Perturabo definitely got the upper hand on that one. They get bailed out, they get taken, and it takes like twenty years to even rebuild anything close to the legion. And they realized at that point, this was the reason why the, the chapters were formed. Because they realized that, you know, Rogel Dorn was given too much power to get his entire legion killed like that and to get trapped by Perturabo's fucking insane siege warfare. And I think I think ultimately Perturabo just kind of, like, it's like, bitch, I Well, said. they also <laughs> wanted to split the legions. So they wanted to split the legions before that. They wanted to split the legions because when... Horus rebelled, he obviously took a whole legion, and then every time the Primarch went, they got, like, a whole legion's worth of soldiers. Yeah. So they actually wanted to do... They wanted to split the legions in the chapters before, but Dorn and Gilliman were arguing over it, and neither would give way, and it was going to cause a second civil war. But when this happened, Gilliman used it as leverage to get Dorn to agree to it, to then split it into chapters. It's like, see, I fucking told you, Rogel. I told you we need chapters. And that's what happened. And then after that, he took 400 Imperial Fists, took him to the Eye of Terror, sacrificed them, and then became a demon. And that's how Demon Perturabo became demon. He took 400 Imperial Fists. And then Gilliman fell asleep, and then woke up, and then threw out the Legion of Sturdies. Yep. 100%. That's canon. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Let's not talk about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail it. It's just funny. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> so, 
Absolutely. So that's kind of the background of Perturabo and how his legion works. So if you've gotten an idea of how whenever you're like, if you are coming in here going, had nothing to understand, nothing to know about the Iron Warriors, there's a number of books out there that you can read to, to kind of get you into the right mindset whenever you're creating an army. Uh, so I guess if, you know, with all the other legions that we've talked about we've kind of talked about what they're good at and what they're they're not great at as far as legion wise how fluff wise you should play them and uh ultimately <clears throat> iron warriors are just a solid like fluff wise siege based army um siege warfare standing artillery pieces everything like that uh of course every legion like if you're, if you're new to the game every legion can do anything they want. You know, they can, they have companies that are dedicated to fast attack. They have companies that are dedicated to land speeders. You know, they have scout companies, everything like that. They have everything every other legion can have, but what they excel at is going to be the siege warfare aspect of the, of Horus Heresy. So anything you want to add to that, Scott, as far as, you know, fluff and, and creating an army? No, I mean, they, they do have, like, all the elements that every other Legion does. Like, you don't see actual Legion composition being so divergent between the, the first founding Legions as it becomes in, like, chapters in 40K. Like, everybody is allocated the same number of things traditionally, um, you know, with some with some subtle differences here and there. But... Yeah, I'd, I'd say that hits an nail on the head. I mean, they're they're siege guys, so artillery's a a big big thing in this legion. And uh, one thing in the fluff that's that's kind of cool is, I think it's book book three, extermination. Um, they talk about the little subsects of the Iron Warriors Legion, and they have like clubs or like little um, <clears throat> I don't know how to describe them, but they're like fraternities. I guess is a good way to describe them. And each fraternity is dedicated to a specific thing. So they have like the part of the, the one of the like underground. What they are is they're supposed to be a representation of the uh, like the um, the little cults Arab has started. You know the lodges. Yep. It's yeah. sort of like that within the within the Iron Warriors, and like they'll have a lodge dedicated to building cybernetic constructs. They'll have a lodge dedicated dedicated to the use of like phosphates and things like that and like destructive devices they'll have a lodge dedicated to armored warfare so that's a i know that's in book three and that that can kind of give you like a guiding force about what type of army you want to make like um the iron warriors had their own allocation of mechanical called the new machina which were, you know, siege siege bots like Thalax and Thanatars and shit like that that fought alongside of them. So if you wanted to do like an allied thing with, with Mechanicum, they're actually Sworn Brothers on the ally chart. So you could do that and it would be very fluffy if you were pulling from that source. <clears throat> Love it, dude. Fantastic. So... I did mine. I did mine on the. There's a subset called the Burned Men, which is like um, they're they're like obsessed with the art of destruction and uh, you know using like nuclear warheads and phosphates and things. So that's when I wrote the fluff for my army. That's what I based it off of because I felt like it was a way to like take a conventional force but give them kind of that dark twist and let me use like a lot of really crazy shit and punishing units. So 
that's a that's a pretty neat little tidbit too. Fuck yeah, man! So that's book three, extermination. You can look at. Does it have all the subsects in there? Or? Yeah, yeah, I know it details more like five or six at least. In Angel Exterminatus, they they kind of delve into Protorabo actually going into this lodge where they do um. So they do war games like on tabletop, kind of like us, right? Like they do on they, they do play on, they play thirty k in, in space. Book. Yeah, that's right. They play thirty k in the book pretty much. So, like these lodges are competing with each other over simulations of who can, you know, lay seats to Terra the quickest, or how to you know take out this Titan or whatever. And it's a pretty neat little little bit. Glad to know. So go check that out, guys. If you want some more information on those different lodges and things, it's going to be an, exter- an extermination, book three. So, I guess at this point, now that they know how to, uh, they know some of the background on Iron Warriors, and they know how they're going to go ahead and kind of design their fluff and list and stuff like that, we can talk about some of the special rules that the Iron Warriors have. So this actually comes out of the Age of Darkness Legion rulebook. Uh, so you'll find this on page 18. And these are actually going to be the special rules of the Iron Warriors. Uh, this is what they get. So straight up, first off, they have Legion of Sestardes, which pretty much all Space Marines have. Uh, so they can always attempt to regroup their normal leadership value, regardless of casualties. Uh, they have Rack and Ruin. So the Iron Warriors specialize in storm assaults against fortified positions under a heavy fire and are all but impossible to stop once committed to the attack. Needless to say, their mastery of destructive siegecraft is all but unrivaled. Models with the Legion Starters Iron Warrior Special Rule do not suffer morale checks from shooting attacks and may re-roll failed pinning tests. All grenade and melt bombs attacks by models with the Legion Starters Iron Warrior Special Rule have the Wrecker Special Rule in addition to any other rules for the weapon type being used. Uh, so, Wrecker is exceptionally devastating against fortifications and buildings, which that's what they're known for doing, for Rack and ruin. So, yeah, very, anything very you want to add to that? Besides, you know, multi bombing is now a thing. So, dude, the not suffering morale checks to shooting is fucking awesome. That's like I've I've been playing Iron Warriors a pretty long time, and uh, I love that role because they can they can close the distance and get into assault with the best of them, you know, and they don't have any disadvantages to being in assault, but a lot of their units, and we'll get into this with their Legion specific right of wars later. Um, a lot of them like to sit back and shoot. So if you do have a unit that's sitting back and shooting, who has morale, it's really nice to like, not have to worry about them, you know, wilting up and running off the table or anything like that. So that's always really good. <clears throat> Absolutely. And it just saves you a whole section of the turn of that turn. It's like, no thanks. Yeah. I don't have to roll anything. Good. That's Let's right. No yes. Assault. That <laughs> hey, there's something to be said for that too, man. Anything you can do to speed up the turn, I think, you know, is always <laughs> a good So the next special rule they have is called the bitter end. Uh, in games which would normally have a random game length, the Iron Warriors player opponent can opt to play six full turns instead of the roll to the end of the game being made. Yep. This can be a real motherfucker, too, man. If you don't, like, I didn't even, me and Ryan played a game with this. And, uh, yep. I don't know if we talked about it on here. It's it's, it's been a we pretty did. long time. 
Okay, cool. So, yeah, man, that that rule can you can live and die by that rule for sure. So, so, so the way that works we were is playing uh, a Dominion a Dominion mission where every turn you sit on objectives you gain points. Yep. So it's cumulative. <clears throat> so in a mission like that, Scott jumped out to a heavy lead because I was playing an orbital assault army, so he could start, basically start on objectives, and I have to come in and clear him off and then sit on him. So he had more at the beginning, and then it started shifting in my favor, so obviously me making him play as many turns as I can is going to end up in my benefit, which is that's what happened. Yep. So, so yeah, so just keep that in mind, guys. You're, it is going to be a drawback. Your opponent can force you to play six full turns instead of the five so and it i I love that rule just just saying i think it's a really awesome rule and it makes it very thematic because that's exactly how it would go down you know like i imagine they they always tend to bite off a little more than they can chew and lose you know unacceptable casualties so i think that's a very cool way to get that to reflect on the tabletop 100 percent I believe that the Imperial Fist have the opposite of this rule. It's either the same rule or the opposite. Yeah, Yeah, it's either the same or the opposite. I don't remember off the top of my head. Michael has the book in his hand. He could look real quick, but that's up to him. We'll we'll save it for the Imperial Fist. Okay. We'll save it for them. So, next up, uh, some specific war gear, because that's all the rules they have, all the special rules they have dedicated to them. Uh, so next up is what specific war gear can the Iron Warriors get that other legions can't? Uh, so first things first, they can get what's called shrapnel bolts. Uh, these modified heavy bolter rounds are available as an option for all units in the army equipped with heavy bolters and twin-linked heavy bolters or quad heavy bolters. This option costs no points, must be noted in the army list, and applied to any unit. They must be given to all eligible weapons of the listed type in that unit. These weapons gain the pinning special rule, but their AP value is changed to 5. So instead of AP 4, they move to 5, but they gain pinning, and that's for all heavy bolters. You can change out with shrapnel bolts. Is this something you do, Scott? Yes. Um, it's a, it's just a neat little rule, man. And if you have anything like a Typhon or a Sikrin that has a bunch of heavy bolters or whatever, like... One of my favorite things to do is put it on a Typhon because I can buy spawns and heavy bolters for it and I can shoot those heavy bolters at two separate targets. And if I can force people to take pinning checks, I know it's like a super long shot, but every once in a while, you know, someone fails a pinning check on a quad more crew and then they have to snap fire that bad boy next turn and you're going to be really happy you did it. So it's free too. So badass and that is something that you actually have to exchange your bolts for so correct yeah you you can't then in turn elect to shoot the ap4 ones in later turns you always have to stick with the ap5 but i'm cool with that i mean i'm i would it's not like you know it sticks one way half the dozen the other i guess yeah 10-4 all right next thing is a cortex controller so any Iron Warriors, Warsmith, Forge Lord, or Tech Marine can be given a Cortex controller for 15 points. So how is that different than everybody else? Is it Well, what makes it different is the Iron Warriors, Warsmith, which is their Legion-specific uh, headquarters upgrade to a Praetor. Um, 
he is a compulsory HQ for some of the Iron Warriors uh, Legion specific rights of war. Um, comes with his own special warlord trait. But what makes that cool is um, in other legions, the only people who can get uh, Cortex controllers are Tech Marines and Forge Lords. Well, this being a independent character who can be attached to units, it opens up the doors a little more for. Um, Rights war like Brethren of Iron, if you want to run Castle Axis troops, and one of their Legion specific units, which we'll get to later, being the Iron Circle Domitars. Fantastic. Okay. So that's Although, in just a normal army, in just a normal army, every Cortex controller you have allows you to take a unit of uh, Mechanicum yep. robots as a heavy support. So, yep. You can either take Thalax or uh, Castle Axe, you know, either one. So. <clears throat> Very cool. So that's it going to be... That's it for their Legion-specific war gear. So that's their Legion-specific special rules and their Legion-specific war gear. Uh, Scott kind of went over some of the benefits of both of those. Scott, anything you want to add to any of those rules or war gear? Uh, I think they're all pretty cool. The only thing I would add is um, we went mentioned the Warsmith. That's an upgrade that uh, you get... You can upgrade a single Praetor in your army to be a Warsmith. That makes him stubborn. and uh, But the major downside to this dude is he uh, he gives up an additional victory point if he dies. So Slay the Warlord is almost always a secondary in all the missions. So that's going to be Slay the Warlord times two because this dude's going to give up an extra point. Um on the bright side of things, he does have a, his own special rule, Shattered Defenses, which essentially he picks a piece of terrain in your opponent's uh, deployment zone, and it reduces the cover save that that piece of terrain provides by one. So if it's ruins, it goes from a 40 or a 5, you know, whatnot. So, yeah, so actually... He also, uh, he also the, gains access to a uh, servo arm. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah he can so, be like a battlesmith with a servo yeah, so that that's part of the special units and characters, and that's actually we can just jump right into the warsmith if y'all want. As, as far as like the special units, so we, we went over uh, the war gear and the rules, and so the first special unit they get is going to be the warsmith, and y'all have covered most of it already. So yes, he gets the shattered defenses, which so <laughs> after deployment, but before scout moves, infiltrators are placed. Nominate one piece of terrain. The cover provided by that ter targeted terrain is reduced by minus one. So that's that shattered defenses Scott was just talking about. And then going back to uh, what Ryan was talking about, 35 points for a servo arm in addition to the normal war gear uh, as well as the battlesmith special rule for an additional 35 points. So that means he can also yeah. fix things with his, uh, uh, with his servo arm there. Uh, yeah. So like Scott said, the warsmith... I'm sorry? And punch you in the face with it. Yeah, and, and definitely punch you in the face with it. Um, so like Scott said, Warsmiths have the stubborn special rule, and they have to be the Army's Warlord, unless their Primarch is present. But they're worth an additional victory point to the enemy if slain in any mission where victory points are being used. So that can be troublesome. Scott, do you ever not take a Warsmith? It seems like pretty standard. The only time I wanted to take a Warsmith is if Perturabo's not there. For me, I mean, it's kind of a fluff thing. Like, they have a Legion-specific HQ, and in every book that's ever been written about these guys during the Heresy, a Warsmith is always the one in charge of a Grand Battalion. 
so that's kind of why I do it. I don't buy the silver arm or Bowsmith special rule for him because I don't, I don't run him in a way that would be beneficial to have those things. But uh, I do always take him. You know, I a lot of times I'll forget about the shatter defenses, world war trade, but it's not bad. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't suck. <clears throat> Fantastic. Fantastic. And that's a Warlord trait? Shattered Defense is a Warlord trait? Yeah. Yep. Uh, if you're on page 19 of the Legion book, it's it's yep. right underneath his entry. And um, it, it's just the Warlord trait that all Warsmiths have to utilize. So. Uh, okay, yeah. When acting as a Warlord, they are given the Shattered Defense a special rule in place of their usual sure, Warlord yeah. trait. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. So that's the Warsmith. That replaces the Praetor. Uh... Very cool. Very, very fluffy. Very, very nice. So, next thing on the list as far as special units go, we look into probably the one that everybody recognizes and probably sees a lot of a lot of play are the Tyrant Siege Terminator Squad. So, these come in at 295 points. They're normal weapon skill, bliss skill, strength, toughness of four, which is Space Marine strength, toughness, and everything uh they're one wound to pop uh, initiative four they have two attacks each leadership eight and they're a two plus save because they're in terminator armor uh they're in cataphractic pattern terminator armor so that's two plus four plus uh on top of that and for their war gear they have a cyclone missile launcher they have a power fist they have commie bolter and they have an omniscope on the siege master which is a sophisticated Cognitor's slaved optical scanner integrated into the modified Terminator armor of the squad Siege Master. The Omniscope provides a model which carries it the night vision and split fire special rule. Uh, so these guys' special rules, they have uh, Wrecker, which is applied to all their attacks regardless of the weapon used. Uh, and that's going to be it. Uh, they can, any model in the unit may upgrade their power fist to a chain fist. And the Siege Master may exchange their combi bolter for a combi weapon. So, anything you want to talk about these guys? Uh, they're pretty good. And um, not not necessarily cheap for 295 points, five dudes with one wound. But um, any force multiplier... Choice as well. Yeah, taking up heavy support slot. Um, any any uh, force multipliers you have in your army, like Siege Breakers, you can give them Tank Hunter... Or a guy with Cognitive Signum who can give them plus one to hit. You run them with Perturabo and they can deep strike. Like, this unit is, it's good on paper. I mean, it is expensive, but it's good. But it'll get a lot better if you put a little creativity into your list and kind of build around them. So ideally what you're trying to do is you're trying to get them any additional special rules you can to get yes. them yeah. either moving faster, up the field faster, give them Tank yeah. Hunter. And that, tank Hunter is tank like a... Pretty, Pretty standard. A pretty big one. Yeah, you want that on these <laughs> Putting out ten strength eight shots, you know, tank hunter on that unit is is pretty good. <clears throat> Fantastic. Anything you want to add to that, Ryan? Yeah, they work great. Like Scott said, Paterabo will allow him to deep strike and also Paterabo has a built in cognosignum, so he can raise their <laughs> ballistic skill by one. Um then like he said you put the siege breaker with and give him tank hunter if you're running loyalists um people usually run them with kirvalen and kirvalen has a special rule where you choose a unit and as long as that particular unit is in your deployment zone you can re-roll rolls of a one 
when rolling to hit. So you basically hit on threes, re-rolling ones, and then you could also throw in a master signal and increase them to ballistic skill five, making them basically twin-linked at that point. Twin-linked missile launchers on their bags. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool uh, idea there. So, Tyrant Siege Terminators. Expensive in points. Just released not too long ago by Forge World. Yeah, yeah. They've been top-tier dick kickers for a long time. Like When they used to be their most insane is when they were an elite's choice and people would take pride of the Legion and just run an army of those guys. <laughs> yeah, they... I don't, uh, I, I don't know no... if people remember those days, but I do. <laughs> and there, the there are no days. pushovers in close combat either. I mean, they're all cataphracty dudes with power fists. So yeah, put an ass beat yeah. down. All right. So the next special unit we have is the Iron Havoc Support Squad. Uh, this is pretty much standard across the board. Space Marine profile, except they have ballistic skill five. Uh, so they got three plus save. Everything else across the board are standard Space Marine. They're 185 points. You get five of them. Uh, they have power armor. They come all with a heavy bolter with shrapnel bolts, a bolt pistol, frag and crack grenades. Uh, they have special rules. They have hardened armor. They have tank hunters. And they also have the special rule deadly aim, which means a unit fired by at by a model with a special rule has the cover saves worsened by minus one against their attacks. In other words, a five plus cover save becomes a six plus and so on. Uh, they can take, as long as their numbers are no more than 10 models, the squad may choose a rhino as a dedicated transport. Note that if an army contains a character... Okay, anyway, so you can take a rhino. Uh, the yes. Iron Havoc squad can be pushed up to a 10-man squad for an additional 25 points a model. Uh, any model in the squad can explain their heavy bolter shrapnel bolts for one of the following weapons. Uh, so they can swap out for an auto cannon. they can take a missile launcher, they can take a last cannon, and the sergeant can exchange its heavy bolter, his heavy bolter for a, a Nuncio Vox and Power Weapon, or he can exchange his heavy bolter for a Nuncio Vox and Power Fist. He can take Artificer Armor, he can take an Augury Scanner, or he can take Melta Bombs. Uh, so really, this is like a souped-up heavy support squad uh, with yep. tank hunters out the gate. So how, how often do you guys see this unit? Um... I, I don't think you see it a lot and I always kind of wonder why. Like, I think, I think the reason you don't see it a lot, obviously is the same reason you don't see 10 man heavy support squads with last cannons a whole lot. They just, they're very expensive and they die pretty easy. But that being said, I mean, this unit's, this unit's pretty damn good for five guys. This is, this is like my favorite use for them is you buy the augury scanner on your sergeant for five points so now they can intercept anything that deep strikes within 18 inches. Well, if you play in a meta with a lot of anvilists or cribdis drop pods or anything like that, one of those comes in and you can intercept it with, I don't know, you could buy, you know, I would maybe probably, I always upgrade mine with missile launchers because it comes with frag, crack, and flak missiles. So yep. you can shoot at those models as they deep strike in and with tank hunter and you're minusing their, um, you minus their cover save by one. So, and you get that for 190 points. That's not, it's not terrible, I guess. No, no I, I think they're a little cheaper on the back end. So if I were going to run them, I would try to make the squad as big as I could. Right, right. And 
hardened armor is amazing because usually what these guys would fall prey to is people will shoot them with a Scorpus Whirlwind or a um, bunch of quad mortars. With hardened armor, if it's if it's not ignoring their armor save, so like you get shot with traditional quad mortars, you're likely not going to lose that many dudes because you're getting a three up rollable. Yeah. Which, so that's the I think the pass rate on that is above ninety percent. Yeah. So I mean, you, you buy artificer armor for your sergeant, you might be able to shrug off, you know, some phosphex or something like that. Yes. What you do is when you deploy them, you throw that sergeant in the middle of the unit because the way barrage works is you take casualties from that center marker or the center hole on the first marker place. So you use that guy with artificer <clears throat> armor with the hardened armor rule as like a a break point. So no matter where they shoot in the unit, you may only lose half of it and then it's going to hit that sergeant and then he's going to get a two-up rerollable against that Scorpus Whirlwind or that Phosphex. Yeah. And uh, another cool thing about this unit is you don't have to arm them all, all the same. It's any model in the squad maybe exchange their heavy bolter with shrapnel bolts for one of the following weapons. So if you want to do like some auto cannons on the cheap side and some last cannons on the more expensive side, you can do that or you know whatever points you're you're gunning for. Man, dude, I didn't yeah. even realize like how good flak missiles with deadly aim are versus jink. Yes. Like, that yeah. is something that, that I did not consider. So, MBS, MBS 5 and Tank Hunter. Yeah, hitting on to Tank Hunter. They don't they don't play games, man. I mean, it's they're very good backfield insurance unit. I think if you can put them somewhere where uh, they can all see, have a pretty good firing arc, you know, it's it's definitely something a a cognizant opponent is going to take, take note of. They're not going to want to put something that, might get blown the fuck up by these guys within 18 inches of them. So Dang, it just kind of sucks they're... that they're in this like heavy support slot. Like, yeah, I get it, but yeah. it's like you gotta. Like... I, I, I still think that these guys are one of the more underrated Legion special units in the entire book. I would think. Oh yeah, for sure. I always try to like pump them up so people play them because I think they're really good. When I, um, you guys can go back and listen to old episodes when I write a bunch of Iron Warriors list. I almost always try to throw a squad of them in there. Because I think they're definitely worth including. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like you can run what Iron Havocs are two hundred ninety five point or Iron the the Terminator guys the yeah. uh, Sea Sirens those are two hundred ninety five points for five wounds five wounds you know so they're they're also very expensive and uh, I think if you're a player and you don't plan on maneuvering with siege irons, like you don't plan on going down the field or deep striking them or anything, you're a whole lot better off taking iron havocs because it'll save you some points. And it's they they come with all the buffs you try to put on your siege irons. They just come yeah. with built in. So <clears throat> yeah, like Scott said, if you're taking siege tyrants, the Terminator guys, and you're not walking forward with them and using that combi bolter um, on top of the missile launcher and then trying to get close to things to punch it with the fist, you're really not utilizing them right. But with the no. amount of points that you play for them, pay for them, you need to play them in a way where their their impact is in all phases of the game, assault phase and shooting phase, and you're, you're using all of their war gear and all of their special rules. If you're just using them as a stand-in-my-deployment zone and shooting platform, like Scott said, you're way better off with these other guys yep. or some or another choice yep. entirely absolutely and this is a unit that uh 
if you're just getting into Horus Heresy, this is not a hard unit to create. Uh, this comes no. in, like if you if you just got the uh, the Prospero box set, or you have other friends that have purchased the Prospero box set. I guarantee they didn't use any of their heavy weapons, <laughs> and so you just can scoop those suckers up. I guarantee I probably have like ten of them lying around myself. For real, like you can get missile you launchers, can, uh, you can get heavy bolters. The only thing you can't get is auto cannons. A really cool look. At what I did with mine was I bought the underslung ones from Forge World. You get like five or ten missile launchers in a pack and those glue straight on to the plastic dudes from uh from prospero or Kalth. so whatever mark of army you prefer and that's a really easy way bam done so Dunskies. very <laughs> easy unit to make very cool very nice so that's the iron havoc support squad so the next unit that is specific to the iron warriors is going to be the iron circle so this is this comes in at two hundred and five points, and this is the Domitar Ferrum class battle automata. Uh, I believe you can take the normal battle automata with other other legions. No, just I'm sorry, it is it is only Iron Warriors. Uh, yeah, two hundred five points. You're thinking of a Domitar. This it's based on a Domitar, which anyone can take, but this is a special Domitar. Yeah. So this is the Iron Circle. So if you've read any of the Iron Warriors novels or anything like that, you know at some point Perturabo didn't trust his own Legionnaires, so he actually built up some super fucking automata with giant-ass shields that would beat the fuck out of people any, at any point that he wanted. He had this like these robot bodyguards that would form a phalanx of shields around him to protect him. Pretty dope. That's what these are. And you can take them without having to take Perturabo. 205 points. It's a weapon skill 4, bliss skill 4, strength 7, toughness 7, 4 wound, initiative 3, 2 attack, leadership 8, 3 plus save. Fucking Domitar Ferrum class battle automata. It's a monstrous creature. It's got an Olympia pattern bolt cannon, a graviton maul, a carceri battle shield, searchlights, frag grenades. Uh, its special rules are a cybernetic cortex, so it needs a cortex control nearby. Uh, brutal charge and a moving bulwark. And you can add an additional, up to five additional Domitar Ferrum class battle automata for 205 points each. So it's an expensive as fuck to have a full unit of these suckers. <laughs> so, so looking at what the rules do, so you got the brutal charge. So when they charge, they inflict D3 hammer wrath attacks. Uh, in the case of a unit of such models, roll once and multiply the result by models in the unit to calculate how many hits are scored. So D3 hits immediately as soon as they charge in, just from their brutal charge. Uh, their shield that they carry around, the Kasseri Battle Shield, this huge power field augmented auto-reactive armored shield offers the Domitar Ferrum an extraordinary resilience to attack. <laughs> and may itself be used as a crude but brutal weapon in combat. The Kasseri Battleshield provides Domitor Ferrum with a 5-plus invulnerable save. In addition, units charging a Domitor Ferrum, which is not already fighting in an assault at the start of the phase, must make a disordered charge to do so. So, that's pretty pretty awesome. That's pretty solid. Well, so, disordered charge, like, so... People, so disordered charge, you got to remember, is better than defensive grenades, because defensive grenades just denies you your bonus attack. Yep. Um, where an actual disordered charge denies you your bonus attack and any bonuses you would get for charging, like Furious Charge or anything like that. So it shuts off more abilities. So, like, if you were... Yeah, exactly. 
So whenever anybody like that's a special, like has special rules that give them anything for charging, like I'm trying to think loyalist legions right now. Blood angels get furious charge, right? And space wolves get their weapon skill boosted. Yeah, this would shut that shit down. Yeah. So they also have the rule of moving bulwark. If two or more Dominator Ferrum class battle automata from the same unit are in base contact with each other, their invulnerable saves increase to a 4+, plus, and they may re-roll failed armor saves and invulnerable saves against blast and template-type weapons. In addition, units of Dominator class battle automata may be joined by a single independent character with a Legion Starter's Iron Warrior special rule or the Primarch Perturabo, contrary to the usual limitations of their type. The model that has joined the unit benefits from the effects of the Carceri Battle Shield and Moving Bulwark Special Rule, but retains their own invulnerable save if it's better than that afforded by this special rule. So you can go ahead and squeeze in whatever special character, independent character, you want into that unit, and he will be protected by these giant fucking automata with shields. Yeah, and remember remember we talked about Warsmiths could buy Cortex controllers? That's where this comes into play because these guys do have the cybernetica cortex rules. So whoever you assign to the squad, you want them to have a cortex controller. So it should almost always be a warsmith or I don't think you can put a Pravian in there because he has to go with his uh his other his like unit you buy for him specifically. But Well, but before... the Cortex controller has a range, so you could buy like a character that doesn't have one and then put a Pravian in the army and have the Pravian yeah. just stay fairly close also true but uh it just makes it good because that that way as long as you do have a cybernetic cortex uh close by these guys are on foot so you can run that way and everything and that helps what i do is i put a um i, I just have a model i really enjoy for this i realize it's not optimal but i just like the way he looks he's a guy in a tartarus armor he's based off the um the legion Legion Astartes Tribune model, that like limited edition store model they released a while back. And I put him in that squad with Tartarus armor with a Cortex controller so they can run because you can run in Tartarus armor. And uh, he also, if I'm within it base to base of one of those other Dominators, it'll boost that shitty ass Invul save of five to a four because he benefits from the rules of moving bulwark. So, a little, little tip for you fellas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool. If you want to make, make a very it. expensive mediocre unit, there you go. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> looks well, fucking the, sexy the, though. <laughs> I feel like the best way to use these guys because there's no like Scott said there's not about the fastest you can make them would be to attach an independent character that has scout with them to grant yeah. them scout so they get to deploy six inches closer. Um if you were playing so it's. I know we're talking about iron. Well, we won't, we'll talk about that when we get to Alpha Legion, I guess. Yeah. But you can steal these guys with Alpha Legion and essentially give them scout and infiltrate. Yeah. Um. Jesus. To get them, just start them extremely close. Um. But in an Iron Warrior army, the best way you can do is uh is scout. Yeah. To get them close. Um. But you, you use loaded dice on your run rolls. That helps a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But honestly, because Iron Warriors are known for siege and all that, you can build almost like a gun line and use these guys as like a counter charge unit. Like anchor your gun line with this where it makes your opponent, where if they want to get in a shooting match with you, you're going to crush them. And then it, if they want to close the distance with you to try to silence your guns, you use these guys as like a, 
you know, an extinguisher to put out the fires, basically. Yeah. Like, wherever yes. they start heading towards that battle line at, you know, you use these guys to move move around in your backfield and discourage that from That's happening. exactly what you do. Yeah, have them kick around with, like, your quad mortars or something like that somewhere around that area, and it's definitely going to offer a... If nothing else, they got to deal with those fucking things before they go and deal with the quad mortars, you know? And, yeah. Uh, they're not... They're not especially easy to kill. So. Nope. Very cool. And when you do end up charging them and you do get into close combat, they have a Graviton Maul, which is Strength 10, AP2, Melee, Concussive, Wrecker, Crushing Blow. Uh, crushing Blow means to hit results of a 6 when using this weapon, generate an additional automatic hit against the target. So they're fucking beating the shit out of you with Graviton Hammers. Which, yeah. that's brutal as shit i mean they are initiative three <laughs> weapon skill four so they're they're not the best in combat but if you're getting hit by it it's fucking hurting it's it's sucking and if you're living through it then of course you're concussed after that and <laughs> they're just going to continue to wail on you in the only way they know how yeah anything that's going to touch these in close combat is going to be unwieldy so they're just going to mash the fuck out of them yeah so Next thing on their other hand is that Olympia Pattern Bolt Cannon, which is a 36-inch range, Strength 5, AP4, Heavy 5, Pinning Bolt Cannon. So that thing is also very brutal. Five shots, just pissing out bullets, 36-inch range. Very, they, They can dish it out at range, too, if they want. Yes. Yeah, five shots, I mean... I I've ran these guys in a unit of three. I've ran them. I've seen them ran in a, in as big as a unit of four. And one thing that's always very understated about this unit is its shooting capabilities. I mean, two guys are pumping out five or ten strength five shots with pinning at AP four. Like that's a unit of thalax. See you later. Kick it right into the fucking sun. Doesn't even give a fuck. So <laughs> that's actually not not terrible. It'll it'll definitely soften something up if you're about to charge it too. So before you beat the shit out of it with your giant grab, yeah. Before hammer. you fucking stomp all over it. So <clears throat> so this unit can get upgraded to the shield of the Iron Tyrant. Uh, the first deployment of the Iron Circle was as a bodyguard for their Primarch mm-hmm. after the Battle of Fall. These are the war machines Perturabo considerably sought to tamper with and improve as the whim took him. In addition to Iron Circle units chosen as part of your army as elite choices, Perturabo may select an Iron Circle unit of at least four models instead of a command squad. This particular Iron Circle must begin play as part of a unit with the Primarch and no independent uh, characters may join them. Dominar Ferrum that are part of Perturabo's own Iron Circle may select one of the following additional upgrades for free. So they can take plus one weapon skill, plus one leadership, plus one initiative, or feel no pain on a six plus. So why so, would you take the leadership when monstrous creatures are fearless as is Pedro Weird question. Who knows? <laughs> good, good question. <laughs> take the initiative. I guess if you're super worried about Psychic Shriek, here you go. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, <laughs> why that's there. Dude, this unit aesthetically is... Like, the Domitar, Iron Circle Domitar model is my favorite model they've ever fucking made. I just, I love the way it looks. I think it's fucking awesome. It, like, I had a picture in my head after reading Angel Exterminatus of what an Iron Circle guy looks looked like, and this was way more than what I could have ever imagined. 
Uh, that being said, at 205 points apiece, you better like them a whole fucking lot because it's going to be real hard to get that much mileage out of them. Dude, so. for real. And I like how, like, in the shield of the <clears throat> Iron Tyrant rule, it says, in addition <clears throat> to Iron Circle units chosen as part of your army as league choices. Like, give like, oh, yeah. Don't I'm gonna do take- that. <laughs> I'm going to take the four that I have to take. (laughs) You're out there thinking that's going to go the way you think it is in your mind. You're wrong. It's not. Let me me go ahead and dump this 800 points into this, like, minimum squad that I have to take for Perturabo. And then I'll take some additional Iron Circle. can't run. Oh, God. Don't do that. My thing is, don't they teleport in the novel? Yes, yeah, they, they do. do, and they fucking jump out of the back of a stormbird in the novel too. Yeah, they need to figure out some way where you can get these guys up the field. Like, if these guys, so if you put Perturabo in the army and had the three or four that you are required uh, to, to yeah. for him to get a special rule, if they also gain deep strike, they would be legit. Like yeah, you could you could get you your go. points back at that point. Or or you can like shoot them out of a catapult or something. I don't know. Yeah. Fuck it. There's got to be something. So. <laughs> Some I don't know. Something drop pod anything. Just iron 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 circles just too slow right now. But uh, a cool thing with these guys is another thing I should have mentioned this a while back. But um, the phosphex is like always the fucking enemy of monstrous creatures because it's poison and wounds on a certain you know value a set value all the time. They get to re-roll their saves against Blast and Templar weapons, so if you have those shields and they're touching each other, four-up re-rollables a whole lot better than just a fucking five-up adamantic shielding save. Every day of the week? Yep. Alright, so that's it for Iron Circle. So now on to special characters. We go into Erasmus Golg. At 175 points, he's rocking a weapon skill 6, plus skill 5. Strength 4, Toughness 4, 3 Wounds, Initiative 5, he has 3 Attacks, he's Leadership 9, and he cuts, He has a 2 plus save. Uh, he's rocking Cataphractic Terminator Armor, a Chain Fist, Kami Melta, a Nuncio Vox, he has a Special Rule Independent Character, Harsh Taskmaster, Brutal Charge, Terminator Attack, and Master of the Legion. He's also a Warlord. So that Harsh Taskmaster Rule will give him uh, Legionnaires under his command winnowing out those he considers weak and brutalizing the rest into killers who are morseless into battle and renowned even amongst their fellow iron warriors while Golg is on the table all units with a legion start as iron warrior special rule in his army may use his leadership rather than their own when making morale checks uh brutal charge any terminator armor equipped model in the unit he joins gains the hammer of wrath special rule uh terminator attack Legion Terminator squads may be taken as troop choices in an army with Erasmus Golg as his warlord. And then uh, Warlord. If Golg is your army's warlord, he does not roll in the warlord traits table, but instead receives a bloody-handed trait. See page 15 of Legion Starter's Crusade Army list pool. So what do you think about Golg? And he's a traitor, so he can only be taken in traitor forces. Uh, mm, I've never been super hot on him because I don't like him in the fluff. He's in the Crimson Fist, and I don't want to, like, fire out any spoilers or anything, but he's just a big fucking idiot, pretty much. Um, he's a meathead. Yeah, he's a fucking meathead. Uh, the Harsh Taskmaster rule is pretty much irrelevant because his leadership is nine, and you get to use his leadership 
when most of your squads are going to be leadership nine anyway, because that's what any sergeant is. So great, uh, <laughs> right, I guess. Uh, the artwork for him makes him look like a fucking Luddite for sure. And uh, Brutal Charge is cool. That's that's good. Terminators as troops is cool. If you have a specific aesthetic picked out, he also has the Master of the Legion special rule. So if you plan on taking Pride of the Legion, now you don't have to take that. You can take something else if the only reason you were taking it in the first place was to play a bunch of Terminators. So there you go. Cool. So, he's yeah, actually, well, like, rules-wise, he's extremely solid for his points. But like yeah. Scott says, he doesn't, he doesn't have a, there's not like a particular model for him. Um, the guy that comes in the trail at Kalth would be a perfect stand-in. He's yep. armed exactly the same way as Gold is. And Kind of looks like him, too. Yeah, and they're both bald. So you could literally, if you if you have a calf box and you're playing Iron Warriors, you could literally just say, "Hey, this is my gold model." And it, I mean, it's he's equipped exact. You don't have to convert shit. It's good to go. Bald mongoloid looking motherfucker. Boom. Yeah. Salt. So, gold lets you take Terminators, which frees up Pride of the Legion, Rite of War. So, very cool. There you yes. go. If you wanted an all Terminator army, he's probably a good choice to look into. Yep. 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 So next up, the loyalist Kier Valen. Uh, his 195 points coming in at weapon skill five, bliss skill five, strength toughness four. He has four wounds. Jesus. Initiative five, four attacks, leadership ten, two plus save. Uh, he's got artificer armor, a paragon blade, volkite charger, frag and crack grenades, melted bombs, a servo arm, iron halo, cortex controller. So that means he's rocking a four plus invulnerable save. Uh, his special rules include independent character. He has feel no play, pain on a six up. He's got the Warsmith special rule. He's Master Legion. He has the special rule Shatter Assault, Master Fortifications, Jealous Command, and Warlord Battle Logistician. So Shatter Assault once per game. Kervalin may declare that use of this ability when he or unit has joined the first assault the, is first assaulted in that turn. For the duration of this assault phase, all units which charge him and the unit he has joined are forced to make disordered charges and may not benefit from the Hammer of Wrath attacks. Uh, he has Master Fortifications at the start of the game. Kervalin's controlling player may nominate a single fortification choice they have included in their army when rolling for cover saves. Rolls provided by the fortification results of a 1 may be re-rolled or its armor value is increased by plus 1 to a maximum of 15. The controlling player decides which of these effects apply. That's pretty dope. Um, jealous yeah, command. buy one of those giant Space Marine Battle Fortress tiles where it's the whole tile. That's one fortification. That's all like it's like four buildings that are all already armor fourteen, and just make them all armor fifteen. If you really want to piss your friends off, anyway, go Boom. ahead and then drop Kervalin's ugly ass in there. Jealous command. If <laughs> Kervalin is chosen as part of the army, he must be part of its primary detachment, and he must be the army's warlord unless Perturabo is also present. Interesting. Uh, Warlord, Battle Logistian. Thanks to masterful control over munitions and forward planning, the Warlord may declare a single unit of any type that begins the game deployed on the table. While it remains in their own deployment zone, the unit may re-roll all the hits of a 1 with shooting attacks. This ability cannot be used, however, for weapons with the Gets Hot special rule. So this is what Ryan was saying earlier, which... I'm I'm actually like I'm totally thrown off by this fucking jealous command rule. Like how could you have Perturabo and Kirvalin in the same army? You yeah, because there's not one same loyalist and one same trigger. 
Yeah, that makes no sense. I think it's because they just um, copy and copy paste the Jell's command rule. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> so he has to be the warlord. That's no problem. Yeah. So, anything special about this guy? He's got the shatter assault rule. What do y'all think about that? Disorder charges. He's pretty, and all that? he's pretty baller, man. He's a real big fan favorite. Like, for all those wishy-washy Iron Warriors players out there who are fucking masquerading as loyalists on your downtime, <laughs> they they love to take this guy. And he's pretty fucking cool, man. For for 195 points, he has a lot of, a lot of neat little army buffs and shit. I kind of wish they would... They would, I don't know, elaborate a little more on him in the fluff. Maybe fucking a book. I don't know. He's he ugly as fuck. Uh, but book, uh, um, <laughs> they, t- they talk about his fluff a little bit in book, uh, book three. three. Yep. Paramount. What is it? Yeah, Paramount, where they're fighting Alpha Legion. Yeah. Um, and they're also, there's a, god damn it, what novel is that? I thought there was another novel or short story, too, where they talk about it a little bit from the Alpha Legion's perspective. He's a mad, mad, cool little character. I wonder what happened to him after the fucking heresy, because he was still alive at the end of book three. Spoiler alert, but he's still alive. Yeah. Um, he's a bad motherfucker, man. Rules-wise, he's one of the better special characters in the game. He's ugly this guy was a tr- fuck. Um, very, very <laughs> ugly. Uh, he's exactly the visual, the visual representation of what your mom told you would happen to you if you didn't wear sunscreen at the beach. So, there you go. <laughs> If this guy was traitor, he would be in most Iron Warrior armies, I feel like. Oh fuck yes, he would. <laughs> he uh he 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 his him and his legionnaires had no idea what had gone down. Like no. whenever they, they 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 rolled up and they're like, We're what? We're traitor now? Shit. Well yeah, well, they ro- they rolled up in Paramar. Squ- oh, go ahead, sorry. They 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 like went to Paramar to refuel and like get more ammo and shit because they were out fighting in like great crusade battles against aliens and shit <laughs> and Alpha Legion was there his fans already gone down and they just started shoot at it, shooting at him and he's like what the fuck and <laughs> like, well fuck you then and started laying the hate on him so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, so it's funny because you know. he didn't like everyone had this huge moral existential crisis when their brothers turned against them and were like, "Oh why?" And this Iron Warrior dude was like, "All right, fuck it, fine." <laughs> <laughs> like, like cut him down. Whatever. <laughs> I've been fucking waiting, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> fuck How you. the fuck am I the traitor? And they started shooting at me. <laughs> All right. But it, in the in the fluff, they basically talk about him being like he's almost he's like so stubborn and so iron warrior. He like clashes with all the other warsmiths, including Perturabo, because he has a super independent streak and wants to do shit his own way. So that's why he's always on these far ranging. <laughs> they just, just kind of doing his own thing. <laughs> yeah, they're like, and "What? You're still fucking comes, alive?" Like, yeah, and then when <laughs> like, that's what Scott said. And they always they mention him in almost like every novel when like one of the uh, the what do they call them the triarchs the yeah. when one of the triarchs die and they have a new vote to get a new one they're always like looking around well Cure Valen's not here like like he's like the obvious choice like everybody knows like he should be a triarch he's just never around because he's always like fuck you guys I'm doing my own thing <laughs> whenever <laughs> like elections are held 
He's just off having to fight giant masses of fucking orcs and horrible shit, like, <laughs> yeah. way off in space. So, endless swarms of orcs and shit. <laughs> they just keep sending him to death, and he keeps coming back like that dog <laughs> that you had. You know, like, like, that u- like that ugly cat you kept feeding, and you're just like, God damn it, how are you still alive? He's like Poppins. Did you get hit by He's a car? Poppins from <laughs> Max Dog from It's Always yeah. Sunny. He <laughs> just eats <laughs> trash. <laughs> He's coming back even uglier than he was before. <laughs> Pretty much. The Moonlight is a Batman villain. Shit. He reminds me of Cricket from Always Sunny if we're talking about Always Sunny right now. <laughs> Just fucked up little Cricket. Looks so. like Cricket. So there you go. <laughs> so the last special character in this list and the last special unit in this list is going to be the Primark Perturabo. Coming in at 455 points. He's web skill 8, blitz skill 6, strength 7, toughness 6, 6 wounds, initiative 5. He's got 4 attacks, he's a leadership 10, and he has a 2 plus armor save. Uh, his war gear include the logos and frag grenades. Oh, nice. Uh, his special rules are, he has the Primark special rule, which gives him independent character, eternal warrior, fear, adamantium will, fleet, fearless, it will not die, master of the legion, precision strikes, and precision shots. He has the Sire of the Iron Warriors special rule, the Relentless Strategist special rule, the Precision Bombardment special rule, and the Very Bulky special rule. So, a Sire of the Iron Warriors, all of Pertraba's attack have the Wrecker and Tank Hunter special rule. In addition, all models in the Legion of Sardis Iron Warrior special rule with this same army as Pertrabo gain the Stubborn special rule while he's on the table. He also has the Relentless Strategist special rule, which all models in the same army as Pertrabo gain Furious Charge while in an enemy deployment zone. An army with Pertrabo as his warlord, if wished, begin rolling for reserves from the first turn of the game rather than the second. And we'll go over that a little bit more here when we start talking about Rites of War because that is a huge one. Um, and then he has the Precision Bombardment special rule, which Pertrabo could direct all artillery strikes with Pre-natural decision, whether from orbit or the mini guns on the lines. Unless engaged in combat or held in reserve, Pertrabo may call down a single precision bombardment attack in the shooting phase once per game. This does not count as him firing a weapon. This attack has the following profile, which is a unlimited range, strength 9, AP2, ordnance D3, barrage, large blast 5 inches, and it's twin linked. A uh, line of sight for this attack may be drawn from his model or any friendly model equipped with a Nuncio Vox or Cortex controller. So that's pretty fucking nasty. Once per game. Uh, so going into the Logos, which is his special armor, the Logos provides the following abilities and attacks. So it's a 2 plus armor save and a 3 plus invulnerable save. His close combat attacks using Pertrabo's profile and, eight, and an AP value of 2. Uh, so he's always fighting an AP 2. Immunity to the concussive and blind special rules. Uh, the armor incorporates the following items of war gear, which is a teleport homer, cortex controller, nuncio vox, cognosignum. Pertrabo and all terminator units of any type with Legion Stardust Iron War special rule gain the deep strike rule. And he has a wrist cannon, which is a strength 6, AP 3, 24 inch range, assault 3, twin linked rending wrist cannon. So that's fucking your world up. Uh, if you decide to play a narrative game, and this is taking place after Istvan, whenever, uh, like we discussed earlier, Horus came up and was like, hey, bro, I forgive you. When Horus gifted him Forge Breaker, you pay an additional 35 points, and he actually gets to run around with the hammer 
of Ferris, which is uh, times two to his strength, so that'd make it strength 10. AP one, melee, concussive, strike down, unwieldy, and blind. Uh, so very cool. And he could take, which is, I rarely see this, but I think uh, it, it can happen just so you guys know if you're planning on making this army with Pertrabo. He can take a dedicated transport, which is the Tormentor, which he may take the Tormentor as a dedicated transport in any game of 3,000 points or more. The Tormentor is a Legion Shadow Sword, which also has a transport capacity of 15 models and one access point to the rear. The Tormentor has the Command Tank upgrade and a single Titan Void Shield. Tormentor costs 500 points and does not take up a Lord of War choice. So it gives you the chance to take Perturabo, who's a Lord of War choice, and a Shadow Sword which is pretty fucking wild. So what do you guys have to say about Mr. Purdy himself? Fucking gangster, man. Like he will he will change the way your army plays on a fundamental level in the best possible ways. Like there are some primarchs who are just beat stick and really good but they don't really contribute a lot to their army or your list construction or Anything like that, like Angron. Angron doesn't do shit for the world leaders around him, really, other than the fact that he just kicks motherfuckers in the nuts really hard. Protorabo is, oh man, like that. The the main the kicker is he get lets you roll for your reserves on turn one, which opens a whole Pandora's box of some fucking very unpleasant surprises for whoever you're playing. So. It's the single most powerful special rule in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, it is fucking very, very good, and it's very, very cool. Like it, uh, it is definitely made me buy models I would not otherwise buy because they would be fucking shitty and irrelevant and stupid. Like a Cestus Assault Ram or any flyer that has a unit in it that I'm going to assault out of, I would never, ever invest in that. Because I don't know when it's going to come in, really. And it it's like almost always I have to wait until turn four before I get to utilize that very expensive unit. Not the case with Perturabo. If I'm rolling for turn one and I have a Damocles Command Rhino, I got a two-up roll on turn one, and I can actually get that unit onto the board so I can start using them throughout the game as opposed to hoping I get to use them by turn four or five. So that's pretty pretty cool. It's also good to combo with a Proteus Land Raider with an Exploratory Augury Web. There you have it. Yep. So, you're... He... That rule, obviously, very, very good, but it really lets you kind of spread out and do different things as far as, like, Marksman Vets and Rhinos. You can outflank them. You can roll for them on turn one so they can come in on turn one from outflank and then shoot and all kinds of shit like that. Obviously, there's a lot of potential for very powerful things to occur with drop pods because, say you're playing an orbital assault list and you already drop in half your units rounding up automatically turn one and then you can roll for the other ones on turn one so i now i don't i'm not saying orbital assault isn't is unfluffy for iron warriors because that was a pretty standard method of deployment for all legionists to start age regardless of their like legion idiosyncrasies but i've never played like i don't i don't know that just doesn't ring a bell 
for me, I guess, personally. But it's something you certainly could do. You could also use flyers. You're rolling, you know, for your flyers to come on on turn one, um, suborbital orbital assault wings, things like that, fire raptors. Uh, I mean, the possibility. Well, in order to get a suborbital wing in, you'd have to take onslaught because yeah. he's already alert. Right, right. But you could take like fire raptors, storm eagles, things like that, uh, lightnings, whatever. Um, whatever makes you happy, I guess. Uh, that that rule alone, he has a lot of other cool rules. Like he gives well, the, a serious charge. The Terminator, and, the Terminator deep strike thing, because it automatically pairs with that rule that you're talking yep, about. Yep, sure does. So if you you like, I said we we talked about this a little earlier, but you put this guy in a unit of tyrants, so you he has tank hunter on all his attacks, his attacks personally, and then you can put a siege breaker cataphracty armor with him and put those two guys in a unit of tyrants who then get to deep strike and roll for the reserves on turn one he has split fire because that tyrant unit will have an omni specs so you can and he also has an orbital bombardment that he can shoot at a target that doesn't even count as him firing a weapon and his orbital bombardment's fucking strong as shit. It's D3 blasts that are strength 9 AP2, and all of his attacks have tank hunter, and it's ordnance. So that is a blob of fuck coming in if it deep, deep strikes. It's like he's going to deep strike in, buff a unit that's going to shoot you and kill you, and then his bombardment from hell is going to hit another unit and probably kill it too. So... <laughs> and not to mention this fucking psycho is now all up in your face and you got to deal with him and his other ass-kicking buddies. Like, it's a... He's a fucking gangster, man. I love this dude. I love his model. I love his story. He was uh, definitely a character. Like, everybody has a character that resonates with him, kind of. And, like, his whole overall aesthetic, I love this this character in the, in the, the lore, you know, so... Pertrabo did nothing wrong. So, anyway. <laughs> he did something wrong, but sorry, man. Ain't nobody <laughs> fucking perfect. <laughs> one, one planet out of thousands, you're right. Yeah, so. fuck it. I mean, I mean, who hasn't committed massive amounts of war crimes in their lifetime? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta break some eggs. <laughs> tomato, you say tomato, I say potato. I, that's all <laughs> so... I mean, solid guy. He he buffs his entire army. Uh, he's giving them all furious charge in the enemy deployment zone, which he will fucking get in if you're yep. if you're deep striking in on Make first small, turn. Stubborn. Uh, he's no fucking slouch, even without forge breaker. He's he's still strength seven, AP two, still beating the shit. Weapon skill people. eight, so his weapon skills higher than most other primarchs. Yeah, he's doing work. What about the tormentor? Have you ever taken the tormentor? <laughs> Like, I haven't. That is just too many fucking points, man. Jesus Christ, that is just fucking too insane. Um, that is nine hundred fifty-five points dumped in, yeah. <laughs> dude. I at that point, like, I always play pretty far away from home, like usually an hour minimum. So I always have to plan for my drive back and shit. I just cannot play games that size and expect to get home in a reasonable fucking hour. <laughs> Well, what's crazy about that is if you read between the lines, it says Tormentor does not count as an additional Lord of War. Good yep. Lord. So, so, <laughs> so you can fit it in at 2,000 points because he can fit in at 2,000 points and then he just 
taking that as a dedicated transport. I don't because it's it, it's it's any game it of three thousand points or more. Yeah, it's got to be minimum three thousand. Is it a dedicated? Does it say it's his dedicated transport, or does it? What's it say? Read the wording. Again. Yeah, may take the tormentor as a dedicated transport in any game of three thousand points or more. Okay, so I'm trying to think of if that adds to actually his point. Well, no, because it, it gets around it because it straight says you can take it at three thousand points. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Rule, obviously. Damn, he'd be, so, that'd be pretty fucking good in a 3,000-point game. Oh, man, I finally, <laughs> finally killed that fucking shadow sword. What's climbing out of it? Oh, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could put it in Onslaught, Scott, and then take Perturabo, that thing, and then another Lord of War. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> And then a second shadow sword. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which one's he in? Who knows? Fuck it. Hope you guess right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could not imagine He's... shooting at and destroying Perturabo's shadow sword <laughs> and then seeing Perturabo <laughs> crawl out of said shadow sword. I'm like, God damn it. What is that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so on the on the topic of the point and cost of this, I try to ask one really stupid question every one of these episodes. So, how many Iron Circle can fit in this motherfucker? None. None. Monster creatures. Monster creatures. Super heavies can't transport. Which is fucking. No. (laughs) Okay. You raise a good point because it. it, Not that I think. I mean, Christ, that's like a full (laughs) 2,500 point army at that point. But in the books, they actually talk very specifically about those dudes being transported around inside his personal fucking shadow sword. So. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We also on. teleport yeah. right in depth, Scott. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, like, what the fuck, like... man? Where's my deep strike and iron circle at? <laughs> yeah, like it's Can't very, it's very evident. American fucking <laughs> bitching about bitching about water being wet, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very clear that Forge World was like hyper aware of what the iron circle could do, and so Ooh, immediately no. out the game, they like, that. hold on. <laughs> <laughs> they will march up the field and like it. <laughs> well, if, they're, if they're so hyper aware, then why did they make owl attacks that are fucking jump and just deep strike it as an inherent part of the rules and are better <laughs> in close combat? Nobody knows, Ryan. That's a whole different book. Okay. <laughs> just checking. <laughs> He's so. fucking real good. As far as Primarchs in just rules wise just like their manifestations in the books um, fuck man he's up there with the very best in the game like hands down i think that's just me but Definitely. um lore wise <laughs> I, I would have ranked him top three before yep. now i mean i don't do you even count magnus is it even fair to no count fuck him no absolutely not he fucking has to sit out he has okay, enough well, good things in his you life. If don't count Magnus, then I would put Porterado top three. It's like it's like Barry Bonds bitching that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Like motherfucker, you're a multi-millionaire. You hit seven hundred twenty-five home runs. Like just shut and be happy. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Also, Sorry your hat size you. from the age of twenty-five to thirty-five, your hat size grew like six sizes because that's, <laughs> that doesn't mean you're taking HGH. We swear. You have a freakish Shrek head now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, all the people I know, as soon as they turn 26, their, their head grew three times the normal size. But, uh, 
Another cool thing about Perturabo, everybody should have the new Legion book, like the new Legion specific rules book. The fan art they released for him in this one is way better than what they released for him in book three. The fan art in this one is dope as fuck. He looks awesome. The fan art in book three looks like fucking the dead corpse of Michael Clark Duncan with cornrows and white. It is horrifyingly <laughs> bad, dude. It was so bad they knew it, and they were like, fuck that. Regard <laughs> this. That is garbage. Who did this? Fire. I like how you call it fan art. It's in the original book. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> Clearly somebody submitted that in replacement of the old one. A fan Dude, it had his fucking name. I could have drawn that picture. That shit was shitty. Yeah, looks he like does look fucking Whoopi dope. Goldberg. That fucking old picture, man. is awful. Metallic Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. But the new this one, one looks fucking that's why, he, that's looks, why he, he looks young and healthy. He dated, yeah. he dated Ted Danzing, and it was a fucking dark time in his life. Yeah, I guess so. I guess Stricken so. Stricken from Imperial Record. Yeah. We'll never know. <laughs> so that's going to be it for all the special characters. Uh, before we move on to Ride of War, uh, Scott, I think it's about time you need to drop off, buddy. Yes, sir. Pretty sure Ryan can hold this down. He kn- he knows his way around a fucking right of war or two. So <laughs> he sure <laughs> shit does. Scott Scott shoots at me with him. That's right. All right, you guys have a good one. <laughs> Later. Later. Have a good one. Yeah. So fuck yes. So I'm glad we got Scott's full in depth review of the Iron Warriors <laughs> and how he feels about them because definitely very valuable information that he's dropped on us. So. So, moving on to the Ride of War. So, first things first, we're going to go ahead and move into the Hammer of Olympia Ride of War. Uh, so, if you're not familiar, if you're new to the game, you're listening to Iron this for the first time, and you're thinking about Iron Warriors, and you're just here, Ride of War is going to be a basically a build-up for your army. There's plenty of them that you can choose from, and this is going to be a, like a dedicated way to field your army. It gives you special rules. Kind of limits the units you can take, but you gain the special. You gain benefits for limiting your army. Um, now, there's a ton of different rights of war you can choose from. Uh, you'll find those in the uh, Legion of Stardes Age of Darkness book, where it actually breaks down all of the uh, all of the generic rights of war. But these are going to be the Legion specific rights of war for the Iron Warriors, and we'll talk about some of the better rights of war that you can take that are generic after we talk about these that are the legion specific uh so the first legion specific right of war is going to be the hammer of olympia uh so the effects this gives you this has the hail of fire rule so models with the iron warrior special rule that are part of the force using this right of war may declare an assault after firing rapid fire weapons so long as they have also and not also made a fury of the legion attack but counts as making a disordered charge if doing so Note that the unit may still only assault the same unit they fired at. So that lets you run and gun. Um, they have the sheathed in steel. All models, all vehicles with the tank and walker types chosen as part of this formation gain the extra armor option at no additional cost. So it's shedding some points off for you, save you five points per model. Uh, the siege engineers effect, which is a primary detachment using this route of war, 
may take an additional heavy support choice on their force organization chart, which is pretty big considering how much the Iron Warriors love their heavy support choices. So that's what they get for their positive effects. Now, going back, the limitations are detachment using this rod of war must take either a warsmith or siege breaker as a compulsory HQ choice, which the warsmith is the upgraded Praetor we talked about earlier. And there's the siege breaker console, which you, you'll find out if you, when you actually go look into the Legion rulebook. Um, Detachment using this rod of war must take more heavy support choices than fast attack choices from the force organization chart for the mission type they're using. So, for example, if the force contains three heavy support choices, it can only contain up to two fast attack choices. So it kind of limits you back on what fast attack choices you can take. Um, I think if you were taking this rod of war, you're probably going to capitalize on the additional heavy support choice. I would hope so. So that fast attack choice should not affect you. That fast attack choice limitation shouldn't affect you too much. Uh, detachment using this rod of war must take an additional compulsory troop choice as part of their force organization chart. So that means as simple as you normally your your compulsory is two. This is going to bump it up to three. And so that means you're going to need to take three compulsory troop choices. Uh, we'll discuss that a little bit later. Uh, detachment yeah. using this rod of war may not take allied space marine legion detachments. So, uh, Ryan, how do you feel about so the it, war? Well, I was going to clear up that last part. So it says allied space marines. So you can still take allies with this detachment. They just can't be space, space marines. marines. But they could be Silver, Auxilla, Militia, Mechanicum, whatever. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. So how do you feel about the Strata War? It's really good. Um, I've, I've been on the receiving end of it several times. My first year at Adepticon in the finals of the, uh, I guess it would have been the tournament one, the competitive one, um, I played against Duncan Kendall from Kentucky, and he was using this right of war. Um, and that was back when Siege Tyrants were elite, so I got to fight four Sakaran battle tanks, all with heavy support, and then Iron or then uh, Siege Breakers on or Tyrant Siege guys as an elite on top of that, which was pretty funny. Um, Scott likes to use this. I mean, pretty much every Iron Warrior player plays this at some time or another. The, uh, Mosier, Chris Mosier in our game club plays it. It's good and really effective. Um, Getting the four heavy support, there's a lot you can uh, do with that. The extra compulsory, it's not too bad because, uh, I mean, like, tactical squads are pretty cheap and they're pretty useful in this right of war with being able to assault after um, shooting their uh, bolt gun. And then um, you can also do some synergy things like you throw like we talked about Golg earlier you can put Golg in there and, and unlock yep. Terminators as compulsory yep. so you could if you wanted to run Terminator heavies you could do that you could even do uh, Golg and Puterabo and then deep strike those Terminators turn one um, and still get all the other benefits from this right of war uh, there's uh, you could do uh, you know Breachers there's a lot of there's just a lot of things you could do um yeah, I've seen a, I've seen this Rod of War with Golg and Perturabo and just maximizing on Tyrants and normal Terminators and just running a shitload of Terminators and deep striking first turn. It's kind of yep. a combo I've you seen. You can quite do a bit that. Used. 
normal tactical squads, if you upgrade them to the... If you give the sergeant a power weapon, and then you upgrade them to have the additional cold combat weapon, and then you gotta remember, these guys get to double tap their bolter and then charge in the same round. So what you can do is take... This is just kind of off the top of my head, something that might be interesting. You could almost build an armored spearhead force while using this uh, right of war, because what you can do is take your three tactical units or or breachers or a mix of tacticals and breachers, either one. Um, I would just do tacticals, give them uh, additional close combat weapons, put power weapons on the sergeants, and then with three of your heavy support slots, you can buy those guys land raiders. And then you can drive up in your land raider Phobos, jump out, double tap someone in the face, and then still assault, and then be still two attacks on the charge because you have an additional close combat essentially just doubling your attacks with if you're not like except for the sergeant but yeah it's just it's kind of a cool idea too i mean and, and to me that seems pretty fluffy for iron warriors to be pretty neat and you still have your your fourth heavy support slot to do what you want with or you could even you could do like two squadron or you could do like a squadron of two land raiders and then a solo or what whatever you wanted to do um just an idea, just, you know, throwing that out there. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a cool ride of war all the way around. I mean, like you said, they're both their specialty units, both Iron Havocs and um, Siege Tyrants, are both uh, heavy support. So if you're wanting to run some generic heavy support and run those two units, this is a ride of war to look into to maximize that slot uh, to get a lot of it in there. And it making you take an additional compulsory, it's kind of like eliminates... I guess because it's giving you four heavy support, a lot of people are just going to be tempted just to run a lot of guns and then, like, minimum scoring units. This That drawback is a little bit of a... Not only is it a check and balance on so people don't build a dick list, but it's also... It kind of eliminates a little bit of the trap where it's forcing you to at least take a third scoring unit and you don't fall into the trap of just loading up on a bunch of guns and having no way to score objectives. They're helping you help yourself. Yeah. So, it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's definitely a good ride of war. Very cool. So, that was the Hammer of Olympia. Uh, the next ride of war that's Legion-specific is going to be the Iron Fire. So, this one is pretty cool. A little newer. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the more brutal ride of wars of the game. This is a very brutal ride of war. So, the effects of this one... You have the rolling bombardment rule. So barrage weapons targeted at any point within 12 inches of a friendly Iron Warrior unit deviate D6 inches instead of the normal 2D6. Having resolved such a barrage attack, leave a counter at the point the blast marker was centered upon. Subsequent barrage attacks targeted at any point that is both within 18 inches of one of the Iron Fire counters and within 6 inches of a friendly Iron Warrior's unit do not deviate at all. If a shooting phase passes without any new iron fire counters being placed, all such counters and plays are removed at the end of the phase. So, that's pretty fucking brutal. Uh, so, every time you fire a barrage weapon, you're placing a counter. And as long as you continue firing barrage, the counters remain. Um, on top of that, they're not deviating. They're staying in that D6. So, I mean, it's pretty fucking solid like ryan do you have anything you want to add on to that so far no i mean we can get to it when i talk about the overview but this is 
it's fucking nasty. Because once you get guys close to the counters, they don't deviate at all. Yeah, they're just solid. Staying in within... As long as you get an Iron Warrior friendly unit within six inches, it's not deviating at all. So the next effect is Ride the Iron Fire, which is exactly what you're doing with this Rite of War. Uh, Iron Warrior's units within six inches of an Iron Fire counter are fearless. So, I mean, solid. They're going to hold position, stay there. So... The limitations on this, if a mission where one side is the attacker and the other side is the defender, the side using this rod of war must always be the attacker. And so I think that usually means you're going first, right? You're, you're pretty much forced to go first. No, that doesn't have anything to do with attacker-defender. Some missions say that, but yeah, it's just okay. in any... There are, certain, there are certain missions that are attacker-defender in some of the special... Like uh, the... Um, God damn it. The... Where you can use the... The garrison and the there's another they're the missions in book four, right? Yeah, I thought that most of them were like you have to go first if you're attacker defender, but that's fine if if that's not a thing. But I think that so, I thought that could well, be like no, a limitation. Say that in the attacker defender missions, but it's, it's just mostly more for like the fluff of the the missions. Ten four, which is pretty much what you'd be doing if you were sieging somebody. Uh, yeah. Detachment using this Rite of War may not take fortification detachments or Space Marine allied detachments. So, once again, kind of one of those, you're sieging something, so you're not going to have anything in place as far as uh, fortifications or anything like that. Uh, and then, I'm not sure why they, fluff-wise, limited Space Marine allies. But, once again, like, I, like Ryan was saying earlier, uh, that does not limit you from taking militia allies solar ox allies or mechanicum allies so just space marine so back to the overview ryan how do you feel about that rolling bombardment and riding the iron fire uh it's it's just extremely powerful um there's some really nasty uh build like so just in, in a list with no special characters or whatever you can take units in Charybdises or Anvilus Dreadclaws because there's no limitations on deep striking for this right of war. So you can drop units in turn one using those, and then you make sure that those units have Nuncio Voxes. So the way a Nuncio Vox works is if you can draw a line of sight um, to a unit with the Nuncio Vox, you can treat any barrage units that are firing um, as tracing line of sight from the unit that has the Nuncio Vox. So what you can do is come in in your Dreadclaw, get out within six inches of an enemy unit, um, and then shoot your artillery at it. And once once one artillery marker is down on the table, then your unit is going to be within six inches of that marker, so they become fearless. Um, then any other marker, then any other artillery that that comes into that area, basically doesn't scatter; it'll land right on that marker because you're within six but even before that first marker's placed you get to subtract your ballistic skill from your scatter whether you can see or not because the nuncio vox unit can see and then even if uh, the unit isn't within six inches of the marker you still only scatter a d6 but then you're subtracting four from that because of the nuncio vox so you're only going to scatter two inches it's fucking brutal um yeah 
So it's extremely good. And you can combo a lot of this deep striking stuff with a Damocles Rhino. And then the good thing about a Damocles Rhino is it has a once-per-game twin-linked orbital bombardment, so it's super accurate. So you can actually use it as the first shot fired to place your first marker super accurately before you start placing other markers because it's twin-linked. It's going to allow you that reroll. So you can use that Damocles to guide your first turn dropping deep strikes um, onto the table where they don't scatter, so they get immediate where you're at. Then use it to fire in the shooting phase first to get that first marker placed exactly where you need it to be placed, or as you know the best opportunity to do that as possible. And then everything that fires off there can start chaining off that first marker. And then you can look at things like quad mortars or quad mortar batteries or Scorpus Whirlwinds. They put down multiple markers with a single shot because each blast template puts down its own marker. And you're firing, you know, with Scorpus, you're firing between two and four. With quad mortars, you're automatically firing four per quad mortar. Good God. So you're just stacking them at that point, basically. <clears throat> yeah, and then you can get, you can just, there's levels of stupidity to this, because then you can start putting phosphex in, which phosphex, you get to move the marker up to two inches after it's already placed. So you can actually, like, once again, you're already not, you're only scattering a D6. And then if you have a Nuncio Vox, you're subtracting four from that, and then you get to move it two inches. So that means it doesn't scatter there. And then once you're within six inches, it doesn't scatter anyway once the marker's placed. There's just all kinds of fucking shenanigans you can do with this and just stack abilities on abilities on abilities. It's fucking great. And then on top of that, I'm actually looking at the Ride of War right now to see if there's like anything limiting uh, your militia using their barrage so if you were to take any sort of militia or anything like that so yeah as long as they're as long as they're sworn brothers because the problem is it specifically states in the allied charts um one of the like in the actual levels of alliance it'll say will not benefit from you know special rules of another army or whatever gotcha so it would need to be sworn brothers then I think I don't. I don't have the rule book sitting in front of me. Yeah, there's different right levels. I think it. Can, I don't think it has to be sworn brothers. That's the highest. I think you can be the one below it as well. I just think once you get any lower than that, it, they don't benefit anymore. One of yeah. them specifically states does not benefit from special rules from allies or whatever. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So, fellow warriors, the two forces are willing to fight together for a common cause. Against their foes, units in your army treat fellow warriors as being part of their army, with the exception that they may not deliberately be, be, be targeted, attacked, targeted with psychic powers, etc. Uh, fellow warriors cannot benefit from the effect of allied warlord traits or be joined by allied independent characters that are not counted as friendly units for the purposes of psychic powers. In essence, the two forces fight alongside each other without any additional positive or negative effects. So there you go. So if as long as you're that level or sworn brothers, then yes, they benefit. So you could take militia and throw in your heavy artillery battery or your quad mortars from your militia and benefit. So yeah, looking at the chart right now, Iron Warriors and Imperial Army are fellow warriors. Yeah, so, so it would work. That is solid. And there's so many barrages. So, the, so, the, so here's a crazy... So once you start including special characters 
once again, you can do crazy shit. You can do shit like put Perturabo in the army, and then he deep strikes in turn one, and then he has a D3 multiple bombardment, like Scott was saying. So he can deep strike in, and then he also has a Nuncio Vox built in. So he he's your Vox guy, like I was talking about, where he can you can guide in um, the uh, artillery and subtracting the ballistic skill, and then also gets to drop his own bombardment. So what I've what you can do with this, if you really want to get nasty, you can take Golg to get Terminators as troops. Take Perturabo, um, and then a bunch of Terminator squads as your troops, and then just load up on artillery, and then turn one, deep strike a whole line of Terminators extremely close um, to the enemy, where you're sitting basically right on top of them. Then start shooting all your artillery, which then in turn makes all those Terminators fearless, and also makes none of your fucking artillery scatter because you've got a bunch of units sitting right on top of them. Then... When they go, they have to decide whether to shoot the threat of the Terminator standing toe-to-toe with them or try to knock out that artillery in the backfield. So that's your choice. So good luck making that choice. Because you're either going to get shot to shit by the artillery for at least one or two more turns, or you're going to ignore those Terminators to try to work around them to knock out some of that artillery and then get assaulted by a wall of Terminators. Mm. Tough choices. Tough choices. <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty ugly. I can't remember if um, I think Perturabo has a Nuncio Vox. He's got a Cognosignum, and I want to say Cognosignum counts as a Nuncio Vox, um, and then also gives you the additional special rules of the plus one ballistic skill or whatatever. I can tell you. So Cognosignum. You can look. Yeah, yeah I, I got you covered. Okay, so it looks like a Cognis Signum uh, does not count as a Nuncio Vox. Uh, it looks like it... What, yeah, what it is, we looked at it, um, Perturabo just has a Nuncio Vox on top of the Cognis Signum as part of the Logos. That's what it is. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so Perturabo is rocking a Nuncio Vox inside of his armor. Yeah, so it's not that the Cognis Signum counts as one, it's just the fact that he has one. Yeah, so all that, like I said, works. It's pretty brutal. Yep. Yep, it's pretty damn nasty. So there's, like, just so many different combo opportunities, just different things you can do. There's plenty of things that are barrage. you got in HQ, you have uh, Master Signals uh, drop um, barrage with their D3 barrage. Um you have the Damocles Rhino that drops Barrage. Uh, Perturabo himself drops Barrage. Then in Elite, you have Quad Mortars that do it. Um, then in Heavy Support, you have Scorpus Whirlwinds, Medusas, Earthshakers, Standard Whirlwinds. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all the Barrage that you can take. But, but um, that's think, you know, uh... still pretty damn... I don't know if it matters. I might look this up real quick. Uh, I believe the the lightnings bombs are barrage, aren't they? Yeah, probably because I think a bomb is. I mean, that's kind of an obscure thing, but yeah, you could get 
because um, then you, you're also getting to roll for reserve turn one if you have Perturabo in the army to get that lightning on turn one. Yeah, and I was actually just thinking about, so the lightning has that Phosphex bomb, and those things are pretty fucking brutal, especially because they have the crawling fire roll that you move additional, you know, two inches into to cover more enemy models. So yeah. working that in with uh, with Perturabo where you're coming in first turn and then you have some sort of uh, some sort of you know barrage markers down already, then that's gonna let you just get you know the maximized unit under there especially you know that's a one time a lightning might be good just to just to take with those phosphex bombs yeah but anyway this this right of war is extremely powerful um also there's a short story that's uh ironically enough called iron fire that tells you the exact origin of this right of war who created it and why it was created so if you're wanting to dig into the fluff on it, there's literally an, an short story dedicated to just this right of war, which I think is unique among rights of war. I can't think of another right of war that has its own short story specifically dedicated to it. Nope. I can't think of one. So in the, uh, in the short story, it's essentially a spear tip of Spartans. The guy, I think it's five Spartans. Um, they get the spear tip of Spartans just loaded up with a bunch of psychos and drive this spear tip of Spartans at somebody while doing a rolling orbital bombardment right out in front of the Spartans, almost dead on top of them, where the shells hit, blow the fuck out of everything in front of the Spartans, and then they immediately crash through the wreckage. And they blow through layers of this fortress like that, like a Blitzkrieg attack, all the way to the heart of the fortress, and then all pile out of the Spartans once they get to the center ring and just murder everybody. Oh, it's fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. So, that's very cool, man. Very, I mean, every time I play an Iron Warriors player, like, I know we kind of discussed that this is kind of one of the, it's a very brutal ride of war, uh, but oddly enough, this ride of war is so fluffy and so on point for Iron Warriors I have no problem playing against it. I expect to play against it, honestly, if I'm playing Iron Warriors. Like, it just, it's like, I know if I'm playing Iron Warriors, I'm going to get bombarded. That's just a fluff. That's just how it's going to work. I have no issues playing with it against it. Um, I just, I just know it's going to be a rough game. Like, I know it's going to be brutal, especially if somebody knows how to play it right. It is something difficult to counter, and it's, you're just going to have a good time every time, like both on the, the player and the, uh, the opponent. So, so if you're, if you're thinking about getting into it and you're like, that sounds kind of brutal. I don't know if I want to play that. Uh, people get it. People understand. So that's going to be it for the Legion specific rights of war. So, and next thing I kind of wanted to go over, uh, was generic rights of war. Maybe one that, that uh, it just works pretty well for the Iron Warriors. Ryan, do you have any in mind? Well, like Scott mentioned earlier, with a sacrificial offering fits perfect with these guys in their fluff, and it's actually uh, works really... Like, if you think about how 
because people are like, well, I don't want to run that because Iron Warriors don't seem sneaky. Well, it's like, well, we just talk, talked about the Iron Cage where they set up this giant huge trap to lure in the Imperial Fist and then sprung it on them. It's like, so it fits the fluff. I mean, that they've, they've done stuff like that before in the past. And then also, like Scott said, they use their um, infantry, like their their allied uh, human auxiliary forces, like in really like brutal ways, like basically just as meat shields, make the enemy fucking waste their ammo, just like total expenditure. So I feel like sacrificial offering is pretty damn, you know, fluffy with them and would work extremely well for a lot of the reasons that we've already talked about. Um, with, you know, Puerto Rabo can get you first turn reserves. Even if you don't want to run special characters, you know, Iron Warriors are still, you know, really good, you know, mix it up with whatever you want. Like, outflanking Siege Tyrants is not something you want to happen to you. Like, Puerto Rabo or not. So, yeah. Like, not, like, you are not prepared for that. (laughs) Like, you think you're prepared, you're not prepared for it. Um, so other ones that would be kind of fluffy, it's, there's not necessarily, they don't really have any like advantages that would make it like super good, but it's just fluffy would be like, um, armored breakthrough where you can take all tanks like iron warriors or I think they somewhere in the fluff. I think they have like more tank battalions than anyone else. Like they have more like armored warfare capabilities of any other legion. So that would be really fluffy with them. Uh, Armored Spearhead, where everybody gets Land Raiders, would be really fluffy with them. Um, like Scott said, Orbital Assault would be really good with Perrabo in it because of the reserve manipulation thing. Um, so, I mean, you can throw that out there. I mean, like I said, that like that special rule is so fucking powerful and alters the like a key fundamental rule of the game in... And it's the only thing in the entirety of the game that allows that um, to happen, other than drop pods. And then drop pods is a much weaker version because you only get half of your drop pods, where this is literally you just start rolling for reserves on turn one. And you don't have to use it. You you It says you may begin rolling for reserves. So if it's advantageous to keep your stuff null deployed, you can still do that as well. Absolutely. But even if you're not... Even if you're not deep striking, like even if it's just like I like I'm playing against someone fielding a Reaver Titan and I'm taking a Falchion to fight it, and my opponent has won the roll to go first and is just going to trot or shoot six D beam lasers at my Falchion and kill it before I get a go, you can just you know throw your fucking Falchion in reserve. You, you'd, this would obviously take a uh, onslaught detachment to get double rights or Lords of War, but you could then just hide your Falchion in reserve and then drive it on after they've already went and then shoot the fucking reaver and shut it down. We yeah. talked about that when you when you baited me into the how to kill a warlord armies. We talked about a lot of these strategies. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really... I mean, those are the ones that jump out to me off the top of my head. I think the... The fluffiest and what would be the most fun uh, and doesn't necessarily require special characters is probably Sacrificial Offering out of the generics. Um, and then, uh, not that it gives you any benefits, but fluff-wise, Armored Breakthrough is another good one for him. For sure. Absolutely. 
I mean, it, like you said, there's so many different rights of war that are just made extremely more powerful using Perturabo special rule. Uh, just a heads up, guys. If good, I was gonna say even so, like I would say the ones to avoid, like just that aren't fluffy. I mean, even though they would be extremely strong, like. You could run the all jet bike ride of war because jet bikes deep strike, and you could literally deep strike your entire army of jet bikes turn one with Perturabo, but that does not seem very Iron Warrior at all, just having yeah. an army of jet bikes. Um, so, I mean, or the the one where you get Storm Eagles as dedicated transports, and then you could just, like, roll on a mass flyer army turn one. Once again, that doesn't... I don't really think of Air Wing when I think of Iron Warriors. Yeah, it's something. Uh, it's something we talk about quite a bit on this show. Actually, is the idea of the Iron Warriors Air Force like being a very powerful, powerful list, but just not feasible. It just like just doesn't make. Oh, it's much feasible. Sense. It's just not fluffy. Yeah, like that yeah. would be something if you went to an event and somebody had that, you would immediately go, "Okay, what's this?" I guy know. Doing? I know that why guy. this guy's doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, whether he wrote fluff forward or not doesn't really matter it started from a bad place <laughs> it, it, it didn't start from man i really wish i could run this air force with iron warriors and then you discover Perturabo. it goes in reverse <laughs> order of that 100 percent of the time i promise you i just got done reading a whole bunch i just got done reading angel sterbignatus and i just want to have a full air force dedicated to iron warriors no you don't that didn't happen you're lying <laughs> <laughs> You listened to Radio Free Esteban episode 78. <laughs> I know what you did. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, so I mean, Iron Warriors are really flexible. Like, a lot of those rights of war work. The classic ones, like, you know, Pride of the Legion that works for everybody. I mean, like I said, the only one that really just jumps out to me as being fluffy and cool would be a uh, uh, Sacrificial Offering. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially, man, militia, militia using their barrage as well. Like, just hands down, very cool. Yeah. So that is it for rights of war, and pretty much, I mean, that's it. We can put a put a button on this and send it off. I mean, we can mail this sucker off. That's going to be it for Iron Warriors, guys. Uh, if you're just listening to the podcast for the first time, you came in, you probably, if you skipped the beginning, like I said earlier, and just went straight to the Iron Warriors part, uh, which happens, uh, and you are more interested in Radio Free Istvan and what we do, you can always find us on Facebook at Radio Free Istvan. Uh, you can send us an email at michael at warhammer30k.com, ryan at warhammer30k.com, scott at warhammer30k.com, or Derek at warhammer30k.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 209-RFI-30K0. RFI-30K0. And uh, we play those voicemails, which you missed at the beginning of the show. So uh, now we're going to go ahead and move on to some lists like we do every episode. We get a number of lists that come into our emails, and Ryan knocks them the fuck out. Every week, he just, just nonstop. I mean, he's a fucking monster. So, well, you're <laughs> bragging on me, but we're getting, we're, we're almost to the tipping point. <laughs> we were just joking today about having to use patron money to get an intern. Um, 
because it's been fairly insane on the email front. So, um, just today alone, just today, like since I woke up this morning and we started recording this podcast, we've gotten six emails just today. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild, people. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I mean, at this point, you know, it's just. I don't know what to say. Like, I, it's like just we'll get to him when not, I when I get to him. Like, I, what I've been doing is I just don't even look at them until Friday, and then I print everything off on Friday, and then if I get time, because we record on Sundays, so if I get time little a little bit of time on Friday and Saturday, I'll start working on them. Um, usually, I'll just do them all Friday, but like because I've been working so much. Um, I've been doing some like on my lunch breaks and breaks at work. So I've been working on them a little bit on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, but basically I just do as many as I can. And then to keep my sanity and to keep my wife from murdering me and just doing lists all the time, it's just like, I do as many as I can in my window that I have dedicated set aside specifically for that. And then anything that falls outside that window just has to wait a week. So it's kind of like a, get to them when I get to them. So try not to get frustrated with me. I really am doing the best that I can. And I, we only read off a couple on the show. I do tons of them through Facebook messenger. Some of them I just do and email back to people because we can obviously only read, you know, so many out on the show. I mean, I have a list, I think I counted and there's like 17 or 18 of them here. So obviously we're not going to sit and go through 18 list reviews on the show. We just can't with the other content we're putting out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And guys, we're trying to figure out a way. Like I said, we have the list library Dropbox that we got out to the Patreon subscribers, but we are trying to figure out a way to get these lists out to you guys uh, without destroying my Dropbox and unleashing it onto the world. Uh, we are trying to figure out a, a number of our, our subscribers have actually suggested that they'd be, they, they'd offer to basically get all of these on a PDF and then get them onto a website for us. And ideally what we'd like to do is we'd like to get those out there so that instead of requesting a specific list for what you want, maybe take these lists that Ryan's already built and work it to the way you would think. And I'm sure there's a number of people and a number of situations where you could take these, uh, these ideas you have. And I would guarantee that somebody at this point, almost guarantee that Ryan's probably already written a list similar to what well, we've written three. I think there's almost 300. Well, I mean, I've written more than that, but of like, that's actually up. There's roughly 300 of them out there. So, and they're all different. So that's 300 different lists that you can look through to get ideas from once we get this thing in a place where everyone can look at it. Absolutely. And if you have suggestions, guys, on like a place where we can just have a bunch of PDFs, uh, maybe scribed. Maybe we could do scribed. I don't know. We're going to have to figure out a way where we can deposit all these lists. I might actually, because I know Spiky Bits did a list library a while back. I might have to check with uh, old Mr. Powerful Rob Bear and see if, uh, see if he'd be willing to accept your list onto his website there. We'll figure we'll figure something out, guys. Maybe that'll help. That maybe that'll that'll uh, help you out, Ryan. 
take some stress off your shoulders. Well, it's fine. Like, I, <laughs> I don't mind doing them. It's just it's getting to the point where it's like a bunch, and I know that you, you know people want them. Like certain people have timelines, or they just think I'm ignoring them or what. And it's just honestly, it's not the case. It's just that we get so many, and I've started to get to the point where um, I've made a few. I make a few minor errors here and there just because I can't used to be when we started the show, I'd have like three. So I could sit down with my books and like really focus on them intensely and spend, you know, well over an hour per list and like comb over it several times to make sure I didn't fuck anything up. Now, now it's like, I basically have to go off memory cause I just can't cause I, I'm doing them in the car. Like my wife will be like, you want to go to dinner in Bloomington? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like literally sitting in the, the passenger seat of the car doing lists on the road and i just can't take a stack of like six fucking black books and all the red books with me you know <laughs> what i mean or i'm doing it on my lunch break at work or things like that so a lot of it i have to kind of go off of uh um memory uh or i have a few digital copies on my phone that i bought i think i the only digital copies i own i think is the militia and the generic uh, Legion Red Book, everything else I own the hard copy of. Um, but anyway, that's just kind of the situation. So it's not that I like, I send in your list. I mean, I'll get to them at some point. It's just we're trying to figure out something just to make my life easier and where everybody has access to other stuff. Because, like, new people that are wanting to get in, it'll give them something to look at to get ideas. So it's not just, it's a little bit selfish on my end, but it's also you know, just good for everybody to get them out there where people can look at them. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You're not a computer, Ryan. You're a man. Jeez. I'm a man. I'm a man. Damn it. I'm a man with needs. <laughs> so that being said, we do have a couple of lists that we want to go over with you guys. Yes. All right. So we got a couple lists for you guys. So, we have a list coming in from Powerful Dan Porter. He says, How's it hanging, fellas? I was hoping you might be able to help me with a list as I have had several attempts at this. And frankly, I'm just going around in circles. I'm a bit of a standard bearer for Heresy Gaming at my local club, but whilst I have painted several armies, now I still haven't painted a loyalist force of any kind. I want to build and paint a loyalist force so that I can enjoy the horse heresy from the other side of the conflict as well as having an army I can use to entice other players in the world of 30k by running demos. My original idea was to build and paint a loyalist mechanicum army, but after painting 1,000 points for a doubles tournament this weekend, I've decided that I hate painting mechanicum models. I can't explain this loathing rationally, but it's real and all-consuming. As such, I don't want to go back there anytime soon. What is more, I don't think Mechanicum really work as an intro army, as some of the rules can be quite esoteric compared to with standard Legion stuff. That's very true, Dan. Absolutely very true. And then it's like once you learn Legion armies, you kind of learn them all as far as like generic. So it's a good it's a good way to start is to start with with a Legion just because, you know. This is where I need your help. I can't decide on a Loyalist Legion to base an army on, or indeed what should go in the list. So your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is to give me a list, or set of lists ideally, see below, that I can build and paint pretty much from scratch. The following parameters should be considered where possible. So it must be primarily Loyalist Legion, 
not a loyalist version of a traitor or traitor legion. For the purposes of this discussion, we are assuming Dark Angels are loyalists, despite the active banter on that subject. The list doesn't have to be super competitive, just viable for game for range of gamers. The list needs to be up to 3,000 points. However, it would be good if I could break it down to 1,500, 2,000, and 2,500 as well so I can scale it up or down according to the size of a demo I want to run. I accept this might mean I build and pay it more than 3,000 points worth of stuff to accommodate the variation required for different points levels. Ideally, it should feature a range of units, although I'm happy for it to be a Legion-specific route of war where unit types may be constrained as a consequence. So... Understood. It would be nice to showcase an alternative way of playing compared to the largely mechanized infantry tank list that dominate at the moment in my local meta. That said, probably not a jet bike list, though. Ideally, the list needs to look visually interesting when it's on the table to draw the wandering eye of passing gamers. That's about it. As I say, I'm starting from scratch, so there's no model restrictions here. I'll buy, build, and paint what I need to as I go and funds allow. I would also add, if you want to tie this in to a Legion-themed podcast in the future, I'm happy to wait until you reach an appropriate point in the schedule to look at my request. Have at you, sirs, and thanks for all you do for the community. Love you long time. Dan, Sir Coxman Porter. We love you too, Dan. So, what kind of list are you building? What Legion do you go for? Well, I started with Ultramarines and sent him an Ultramarine list. And then he was like, well, I know I didn't tell you uh, you could use any Legion, but I want Imperial Fist now. <laughs> so then he got a second list out of me. So I did an Imperial Fist list. So now there's an Ultramarine and Imperial Fist list for him to get ideas. <laughs> um, the only thing was, because he wanted a wide variety of stuff, the one rule I kind of broke was he said, ideally it should feature a range of units, although I'm happy. So I, I did a, a wide range of units. Said it would be nice to showcase an alternative way of playing compared to the largely mechanized infantry slash tank list that dominate my local meta at the moment. That said, probably not a jet bike list, though. I mean, this is still a mechanized list that I wrote. Um, I guess I could have followed that more and went more with, you know, jump packs or whatever i mean i can write him another list if he doesn't like this i was just kind of thinking I, basically when i wrote this list because he said he wanted it to be like a display army that gets people in yeah. i tried to put, include all the units that i feel when i think of heresy and i think of heresy as a different game to 40k these are the units that pop into my mind like you know what i mean like like scimitar jet bikes sicarans javelin land speeders Mark II B Land Raiders, like that kind of thing, like where they look very distinctly different. People go, "Oh, that's not that's not a normal 40k model," that kind of thing. So that's kind of what I was going for, and I also, like I said, tried to do the widest variety of shit where it's a total mismatch of mix match of units, but it still has a cohesive theme when put on the table. Understood. So that's kind of what I went with. So. Imperial Fist list. I ended up using the Armored Breakthrough Right of War, which is the one where you get Predators as troops. But I only took two Predators in the army. We'll get to why I did it when I get down to the bottom. So anyway, so the HQ is Sizigmund, which the big thing about him is he unlocks uh, Templar Brethren as troops, and 
he's just a cool unit choice for Imperial Fist, and I, I've always liked that model, and it will allow him to paint um, a unit, him and his unit of Templars, like the black, where you get the alternate color scheme for um, Imperial Fist, so he can do like some a lot of it primary yellow, and then a lot of it more black to give him some variation to work with. Um, for his first troop choice, I took a, a single Predator with uh, Spons and Las Cannons. And then for the second troop's choice, I took another Predator with Spons and Las Cannons. So that's the two compulsory. For the third troop choice, I took a squad of eight Templar Brethren. The champion has a Solarite Power Gauntlet. Um, the entire squad has Melt-A-Bombs. Um, and they are in a dedicated Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. And Sizzamund is going to go in there with them for a total of nine models. Um, we'll get to what the tenth is here in a minute. The fourth and final troops choice is a ten-man tactical support squad that all ten guys have Volkite chargers. Um, and they're in a Rhino with a Pinnel Mountain Multimelta. For elites, I took an Apothecary detachment with a single Apothecary and Artificer armor. And that is what's going to go in the squad with Sigmund and the Templars to fill out the full 10-man squad to fit in the Land Raider. Uh, for the second Elite's choice, I took a 10-man uh, Marksman Veteran squad. Two of the guys in the squad have Combi Meltas. Everybody else just has their standard bolt gun. The Sergeant has a power weapon, whatever power weapon of Dan's choice. They are in a Rhino with a Pinnel Mountain Multi-Melt. For the third Elite's choice, I have... Um, Five Terminators. They're Cataphracty Terminators. The Sergeant has a Power Fist. Two normal guys have Power Fist. Two normal guys have Chain Fist. And they are in a dedicated Land Raider Phobos with Dozer Blade and Armored Ceramite. And for the fourth... One, two, three... Yeah. Fourth and final Elite's Choice, I have a Sakaran Battle Tank with Dozer Blade and Sponson Lias Cannons. And it's an Elite because of uh, Armored Breakthrough. Um, for Fast Attack... Pack. I have a the first fast attack choice is a squadron of two javelin speeders um, with the the standard ones with the cyclone missile launchers, and they have pinnel mounted multi meltas. For the second fast attack choice, I have six a squad of six sky hunter jet bikes. Two of them have volkite culverins. Um, then on to, on to heavy support for the first heavy support slot, I have a fire after gunship with a. Uh, with Reaper autocannon batteries in the sides and then four hell strikes on the wings. And then for the second and final unit of the army, second heavy support slot and final unit of the army is a sicker inventor tank destroyer. And that is 3000 points. So is that a, uh, is that a Highlander list? Uh, there's Nothing. two dedicated. There's two dedicated. What I would consider Mark II B Land Raiders in there, and I, then yeah, there's, man. and then there's two uh, Predators, and then there's one, two Rhinos, and then obviously the two Javelins are together in a squadron. But then everything yeah. else is pretty much unique. So I guess beside okay, so I don't consider anything dedicated transport as, uh, as affected towards highlanders so i guess the predators would be the only thing that off i mean as far as like what the list does the list does sound uh 
very fun to play because you're going to get an example of pretty much every possible unit type out there. Uh, yeah, you got a, you got a flyer, you got a flyer to come in and do flyer things. The javelins can outflank. The jet bikes can deep strike. Um, then you got, uh, you know, you got a mix of rhinos and land raiders to push forward. Um, the the tanks become the the predators are going to be your fast tanks, and so are the Sakarans. So you can display why a fast tank is good, and then the land raiders are just going to be, you know, normal speed tanks. And then they have Power of the Machine Spirit to showcase what Power of the Machine Spirit does. Um, there's a single apothecary in here to display what Feel No Pain is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's just got a good mix of a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much in here that just, like, if you're learning to play for the first time, it's going to give you a variety of units to, to choose from and to get to use. And on top of that... Uh, the second request that Dan requested was that he wanted it visually pleasing. And so this is like, because you have so many different types of units out there, uh, this is something that can be thrown on a display board and have all these different units painted up beautifully. And they'll just, you know, they'll look great because you're going to have all of it, you know, especially on like if you had like a red base, you know, like a Martian sand kind of thing, it'd be tight. So... Well, like I said, I included all the models that I just love the look of, like Javelins, Sky Hunter Jet Bikes, um, Fire Raptor, Sikorin Tanks, Mark II B Land Raider. Um, those are all like some of my favorite heresy models. All and I really heresy. like Cataphract like... Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. Cool list, man. Very and cool. And then list. if he's wanting if he's looking for ideas like uh to because this is the 3000 point version if he wanted some extra units to build that i think would be good for imperial fist i think you should almost always have a heavy support squad for the army so i would build 10 dudes and heavy support guys and i'd probably either give them missile launchers or last cannons because they're going to gain tank hunter for being imperial fists and i'd probably also pick up a unit of uh quad mortars to have and then I would probably build two normal, just basic bolter tactical squads. And then you could take that that stuff I just said and then add it in with this stuff. And you have such a wide variety of units in this list that if you added that other stuff to it, you can pretty much build any list you're ever going to want to be able to build. Of course. Absolutely. So that, that was the ready. other idea. You hit on all. It's the all right. I wish it wasn't as mechanized because he, you know, he did say he didn't want something mechanized, but it's like, but he also said he wanted variety, and I was like, well, I mean, I get that there's different types of like power armor, but it's like if you have veterans, and then you have a tactical support squad with like Volkite chargers, and then you have Bolter Marines, and then you have like a heavy support squad with like heavy bolters. To an uninitiated person walking by and seeing that on the table, it's all going to look the same to them. It's all going to be Space Marines, exactly. So I feel like with the Templars, because they have the swords and the, the shields and they're all black, and then you have the Cataphracty, then you can paint the veterans kind of fancy, and then you can paint the, the, the tactical support Marines more like basic in the yellow, and then you have 
the jet bikes, which are obviously going to stand out. That still gives you a wide variety of things with a toughness value, but it's all it should all look somewhat different. Like you paint it a different way, and it, it should really stand out. Um, the only two things that may blend together would be the veterans and the tactical support guys, depending on how you know fancy you want to get get with it as far as painting them up. Um, oh, I'm sure he'll but, be uh, very fancy. But anyway, that's that's what I threw him. So I like it, I like it a lot. I'm pretty sure Dan appreciated it as well. That seems like a fun army to play, especially if you're coming in from like like a 40k to 30k convert. And of course, I'm pretty sure most of them are curious about all these different Legion vehicles that they don't have access to, or they don't have rules for, and then immediately just get to jump right into all this cool jet bikes and land speeders, uh, javelins, you know, fire raptors. They have fire. Well, raptors. and in my head, when I was looking, thinking about the list, I was also thinking like you would use the Demios rhinos, the Demios predators and the Mark two B land raiders. So it's still, you know, it looks distinctly 30 K a hundred percent. Badass dude. Very cool. And then, like I said, I did the ultramarine version I left it in my phone, so the the patron guys that have access to the list library, you can look at the... It's basically the same list idea. Like, I actually wrote the Ultramarine one first, and then when he said he wanted Imperial Fist, I just pulled out the the Ultramarine-specific shit, including Gilliman. I had Gilliman in that list. I pulled all that shit out and then added in stuff to make it Imperial Fist. But you can kind of see the same theme but one's an ultramarine with ultramarine units in Gilliman and one is the imperial fist with the templars and um what's his name Sisman. pimping bitching dude and we will get that those lists out eventually here so that's gonna be it for Mr. Dan Porter's list Next up is a Death Guard drop pod list. This comes from Seth. Seth says, Morning, gentlemen. First, I mostly paint. Not many in my area play 30K, but I like to use lists to help me organize what I paint. I have 3,000 points of a couple variations of the Reaping, and I would like to expand my collection by getting what I need to make a 2,500-point drop army with Materian to switch things up. Y'all have free reign to tell me what to add to my collection to make things work. What I already have. He has two 10-man tactical squads, Sergeant with Power Scythe, one 6-man support squad with Flamers, one 10-man heavy support squad with Missile Launchers, one 10-man heavy squad with Volkites, four Deshroud Terminators, seven Grave Warden Terminators, Typhon, a Siege Breaker with Power Fist, Vigilator with Scout Armor, three Quad Launchers, two MK2B Land Raider Phobos, one Land Raider Achilles, one Spartan, and one Venator. He says, make me bust comes from Seth. So what you do, Ryan? Not a lot of... Half of that's not going to be dropping, but... You know. No, like the... <laughs> I did Orbital Assault List, obviously. So the Venator, the Spartan, the Achilles, the Mark IIBs, the Quad Launchers, uh, the Vigilator, the Siege Breaker. I didn't... I'm guessing that's Typhon, the character, not the tank, but I didn't know. Could be either or. But essentially... And the Missile Launcher team... Pretty much all that shit was like out immediately just because it does not fit with a drop list. You can use a missile launcher team in a drop list, but it's not something I would 
recommend doing most of the time. Um, so anyway, uh, his basically his requirements were drop army with Mortarian. So that's what I did. So right off the bat, for his Lord of War, I have Mortarian the Reaper, and he's selecting the Rite of War Orbital Assault. So then for his compulsory HQ, I have a Chaplain in Terminator armor with a Chain Fist. So it's a Tartar, he's a Chaplain in Tartaros Terminator armor with just a Chain Fist. Um, pretty cool choice. Um, then for troops, I have a 10-man tactical squad. The Sergeant has Artificer armor, Death Shroud, Power Scythe, and Meltabombs, and they're in a drop pod. So he has this unit because he has the two 10-man tax squads with scythes, so that's one. Uh, for the second unit, of troops for his compulsory troops. I have another 10 man tactical squad. Sergeant has a scythe artificer armor, melt bombs, drop pod. This is another unit he has. So it's good to go already. Just has to get the drop pod. Um, for elites, I have seven death shroud terminators all with melt bombs. So Mortarian and the chaplain will join this squad. Um, and then we'll get to what they're writing in, in a minute. Um, so then for fast attack, I have an anvilus pattern, uh, Dreadclaw. And then I have a, for the second fast attack choice, I have a Primaris Lightning Strike Fighter, and it has Kraken Penetrator Heavy Missiles, Battle Server Control, and Ground Tracking Auguries. For heavy support, I have a Charybdis Assault Claw. So this is what Mortarian, the Chaplain, and the Seven Death Shroud will be riding in. Um, for the second heavy support slot, I have a five-man Grave Warden Terminator Squad. Um... The Kim Master has a, a power scythe. Um, two of the guys just have their power fist, and then the other two guys have chain fists. And these five guys will go into the Anvilus um, that I talked about earlier in the fast attack slot. Then finally, uh, the last heavy support slot, I have a Leviathan Pattern Siege Dreadnought with Siege Drill, Cyclonic Meltalance, two torso-mounted Volkite cal Calivers, Armored Ceramite and Phosphex Discharger, and it is riding in a Dreadnought Drop Pod. So that is the list. So it's five Drop Pods. So turn one, you're probably going to drop in the Leviathan, um, the five Grave Wardens and the Anvilus, and the Charybdis with the seven Death Shroud, Mortarian, and the Chaplain. So that'll be your turn one drop. And then turn two, you'll start rolling for your Lightning to come in to punch a hole in anything with super heavy armor and your two tactical squads that will come down and try to jump on objectives. Wow. So turn one, you drop in with the Leviathan and Matarian next to each other. The Leviathan handling any armor or any other dreadnoughts that want to roll up on Matarian. And then... Well, Matarian, you got to remember, for his unit, so the reason I did it, so the chaplain has a chain fist. So right. a chaplain is three attack base on the charge, it's four. And then because he has hatred built in, it's you're basically swinging four chain fist attacks with three rolls to hit. Um, Mortarian Scythe is strength seven with Sunder. So it's already, it's so he's going to be re-rolling to hit with it because of the chaplain. And then he's going to be re-rolling armor pin with it because of Sunder. Right. Um, then he's in a squad of seven Death Shroud and all those guys have Meltabombs. And then once again, because of hatred, you're going to be able to reroll misses when placing those meltabombs. So it's pretty formidable in close combat against vehicles and obviously infantry. The other cool thing about Mortarian and Death Shroud in a, in a Charybdis like this, normally what you would do is you'd come in turn one and just hide in your Charybdis. 
with this particular build, you can actually come in and jump out. Mortarian can throw a Phosphex bomb because he has infinite Phosphex bombs. And then the seven Death Shroud can let loose with their uh, shredding hand flamers. So that's like very formidable anti-infantry shooting turn one if they have anything that's just exposed standing out in the open. If they don't, you can hide in your Dreadclaw. The same thing with the Grave Wardens, because the Grave Wardens are going to come in and they're Andalus. They can immediately jump out and lay down the 10 small blasts, the poison small blasts, or shoot strength six or whatever, or hide in the Andalus and then, you know, get out later and then shoot and assault. And obviously they're going to be good anti-tank because there's two chain fists in there and then the two power fists. Um, and then obviously the Leviathan is also going to be good anti-tank because it's got the cyclonic melt lance the melt gun and the fist, and then the two Volkite calibers that are still strength six. So anything like, you know, armor 10 or something on the rear, if you can get in the rear, they're going to be good at that. And then obviously has the phosphex for elite infantry and then is good anti-tank in close combat as well. So, you got all that, and then on turn two, the lightning comes in to punch a hole in whatever super heavy they have. So, I mean, you got fucking plenty of anti-tank. <laughs> so, in other words, you ain't worried about tanks or little dreadnoughts or anything like that. No, you got plenty. There's so many chain fists and melt bombs and um, fucking Leviathan and all that shit running around. You, you don't have a problem. And then for anti-infantry... Oh, sorry. The, I did... I forgot. The, oh, never mind. I took it. I ended up taking it off originally i had the tactical squads with extra close combat weapons but i just couldn't make the the points work out but um yeah i think this is a very solid list it's, it's a very good drop list i think death guard do drop assault very well the other thing you got to remember is those uh grave wardens they can instead of shooting their grenade launchers they can shoot that heavy flamer that they have that's poison three plus so that's another good thing coming out of a drop pod hmm so that's a great thing coming out of a drop. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Mortarian dropping in your back line turn one just fucking sucks because even if you tried to screen him, like, so say you drop back there next to their fucking quad mortars and then they get out of a rhino or something and then put like the wall of guys. So it's like, fuck, I'm trying to protect these quad mortars. You can just, separate Mortarian from the unit and then just ghost walk right around those fucking guys and assault the quad mortars yep. anyway. Like, there's nothing yep. they can do about it. So... You're gonna have to eat shit. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's what pretty makes Mortarian so scary. Yeah. So, it's pretty fucking cool. So, I, I like this list a lot. Um, it'll be fun to paint. He has... He has the Grave Wardens. He has some Death Shroud. He's got the two tactical units. Um, he's basically just gonna have to buy the drop pods... Uh, and dread claws, which he didn't. I mean, obviously building a drop list, he hopefully already knew he was going to have to do that. So really, the only thing I threw in here that he doesn't have already, besides the drop pods, um, is the Leviathan and the Chaplain, which isn't that bad of an investment. I mean, in my opinion, not at all. I mean, it's it, no matter even if you were to stray away into a different type of army list, it'd still be playable. So, very cool, very fun list, man. Like not something you see a lot of. You don't see a lot of Death Guard drop assault list, and it's very you know you always see a lot of reaping list. And so you know, I'm kind of glad that we did that list because it, it, you did make it very fluffy and very formidable with uh, with the Death Guard special rules. So, 
Yeah, every <laughs> list has a, the scythe in it. All, like all the sergeants have scythes in the army. Mortarians in it. It's got both of their specialty units in it. Um, and then there's chemical weapons um, in the army. Like the Leviathan has the phosphex. Um, all that. So it's pretty cool. If you could free up. You could maybe even drop the melta bombs off the sergeants on the tactical units. They're not super necessary. And then with the extra five points, buy some phosphex bombs for the lightning. Not that it matters. It's not, it doesn't add anything to the list, but then you could just say you have more chemical weapons in the list. Just kind of cool. So that's just something I just there. thought of. Hell yeah. yeah. Get as many chemical weapons in there as you can. Because they got real crazy with them once the heresy started. Yep. I dig it. So that's it for that list. Last thing we wanted to go over here, guys. We got an email that we wanted to kind of go over. Uh, kind of came out of, came into the old Dropbox or to the old email box here. Something we wanted to read off for you guys. Um, so, okay, and this is titled "Convert the Non-Believers." So it says, "Team RFI." I was wondering if you guys could help me out. A long time ago, around 6th or 5th edition, 40K, I got my friend into tabletop 40K. He asked me what the most overpowered army was in 40K and immediately brought, bought 3,000 points of Tau. Not sure if Tau was actually overpowered back then, but that's what I said. Anyway, we played a few games, but due to university and the, newest, the nearest gaming group being quite a distance from our homes... We never really got to play. However, now is a different story. I have my own gaming table, terrain, and I'm trying to get him into playing 30K. But he isn't interested. I also tried getting him to read the Horus Heresy novels, as that's what most people recommend for getting people to 30K. But again, no interest. That being said, he's still up for playing 40K with Tao. So my new plan is to use shock and awe to make him bust. The goal is to play a 2,000-point game against his Tau with my 30K Emperor's children and utterly shit-stomp him so he might consider looking into 30K. But I have no idea what kind of list I should bring against Tau. I have always struggled against Tau, so any help would be much appreciated. And then he goes on to give a, a list of, of units he has. Anywho, you guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. The Emperor's Children episode was great. I'm not sure if this is the right format for asking you guys to help me out with a list or if I'm sending the email to the right person. I'm a new listener, but here's to hoping it goes to the right place, respectfully. So this is a this is an interesting one here, Ryan. This is a very interesting yeah, it was one. it was super confusing. So there's a couple things I want to go over, and please don't take any of this personally. Uh, and it's not not nothing you said like. The, It'd be more directed at your friend than you, but just don't take it personal. I'm just giving my honest feedback. First, if the guy, if you've showed him the fluff and you've showed him the models and you've showed him the novels and that doesn't get him interested in heresy, that's what heresy is all about. So it comes down to he's only interested in playing something that kicks dicks off and that's why he chose Tau to begin with and you think that you have to prove you can do that in heresy to get him into the community. Just to be perfectly honest, he's not going to fit in the community. Like, that's not the type of people that the heresy community wants in the community. Just being totally blunt about it. The, the fluff and playing the narrative and all the appeal to him, 
I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, he's pro- it's probably just not the right fit for him. Um, he should look into, you know, games that are more uh, focused in on stuff like that, like, you know, like War Machine or Magic Gathering or uh, 8th Edition 40K, things like that. Um, even if I wanted to, on top of that, I was really confused because it's like play against Tau. Well, just here recently, uh, 30K and 40K had a divorce. They got divorced and now they have joint custody of the kids, I guess. Some people joint custody, some of them the, the dad got, and some of them the, the mom got. It's, it's an ugly situation. So anyway, the rule sets are totally different. So you can't really play against Tau anymore unless you use an old codex. You're saying he played in 6, so I'm guessing it would be the 6th edition codex, but that's the other, like the 6th edition Tau codex is vastly different than the 7th edition codex. It even had different units in it. Um, so even if I wanted to, I don't have enough information, and I'll just be perfectly honest, it's not something I really want to research. I don't want to go back and read a bunch of old 40k codexes that don't pertain uh, to this game to write. Li- I mean, we get so many other emails and so many other things I'm doing. It's just not something I want to spend my time doing is digging into old 40k shit. And I don't want to set that uh, precedent. Um, that said, we've, we've done a ton of Emperor's Children lists on the show. So Michael usually puts it in the show, like EC list. That would be Emperor's Children. Um, you can go back and listen to that. And then also, once we get this list library up, you can dig through and see all that. Um, and then you just you said you've already listened to our Emperor's Children episodes, so you can get some ideas there on uh, how to build a list. But I would just look for, for other other people to play, man. I mean, that's just not what Heresy is about, really. It's more about the narrative and the story, building something with a cool theme, going to events, hanging out with cool dudes. Um, not that you're, I mean, this doesn't, nothing personal against your friend. I mean, he may be a super cool guy, but if if he's not interested in that aspect of gaming and you can't get him hooked on heresy, you know, like like I said, through the fluff or whatever, he's just not a good fit for the community. doesn't sound like, so I wouldn't worry about it. I just try to find some other people to play with. Agree. Agree a hundred percent on that. Uh, definitely. I mean, at this point it's, it's kind of like you can't just shoehorn people into the heresy. You know, if, they, if they're not interested in the fluff and everything like that, I mean, it sounds like this guy likes himself some Tau. Unfortunately, you know, it's just trying to convince him to, if he's playing now, then he's probably playing 8th edition Tau, trying to convince him to run a specialized rule set to play you a game where you can beat the shit out of him probably wouldn't end up with him converting to the heresy. It'd probably be like, well, I, play, I catered to you for this game. I doubt that, you know, this is not going to convince me to play Heresy. This is just going to piss me off because, you know, like, I weaken well, my arm. I just don't know. Like, I just, I don't, I just can't follow that line of thinking anyway, personally. Like, if it takes him losing by a massive amount from another army to get him in, like, to prove that you can build a dick kicker, I, I just, I don't know. And then, even if it did build, you did show him that and he wanted to play 30K because of it, his stuff, like, he can't. That army may not work in 40k if he wants to go back and play 40k because it's going to have totally different rules because they moved on to 8th edition. Like, you can use your heresy models for 8th edition, but they're going to have totally different rules. Like, a rhino in 7th has totally different rules. Or, sorry, a rhino in heresy um, and, and old 7th edition 40k 
has totally different rules to eighth edition now. Like, like, to- like, absolutely one hundred percent incompatible rules. So I, I don't. Yeah, it's just not like I said. It's just not something I'm interested in doing. Like, I'll write you an Emperor's Children list, but to you know go up against Tau and dig through old Tau books and all that. This is not something I'm into. Absolutely. Agree. But, I don't know. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> not a lot to say there. We feel It's just an email that we definitely had to go over just to discuss it because definitely something that needs to be brought up. I appreciate you listening to the show now. It seems like you got picked up on the Emperor's Children pod. Well, he does. Oh, he says, he says, uh, he, says he, he, he did say this. He says, P.S., do you guys have any experience getting people into the hobby? I would love to hear some of your stories and ideas to get people into 30K. Oh, I did not see that. So, yeah. I mean. So go ahead, Michael. Uh, so I think probably one of the easiest way to get people into 30K and to get people playing, especially if your friend. Uh, it sounds like he likes the shiny things. Uh, so it happened to me just putting models in front of them that they've never seen before and that look badass, which is pretty much most of the heresy models, uh, like anything from the super heavies to uh, just the Legion-specific models. And if it's got a solid paint scheme, it just really makes people double-take and look into the heresy. Um it kind of sucks that he's not into the actual lore or the fluff of it because I think just getting me in, it was actually Chris Pretty that actually got me into it. I always knew about the kind of like the generic, oh, all the all the Primarchs got shit out and they all went to different planets. and they all, like I had no idea about all the true fluff behind it. And I think immediately upon listening to like Horus Rising, I was, I was hooked. Like you just... Like, just listening to the... Like, if you can't get them into the books, you can't get them into the models, then really, I mean, you tried your best, bud. And I, honestly, I would say, at this point, it's just a waiting game because m- most of... I, I would I would say a lot of the, the games are leaning towards 30K. I think once people get tired of 40K 8th edition, or they get tired once... It it's kind of seems like it's kind of a weird, like, waxing and waning. Like, once your army kind of becomes not new and not cool anymore, and if he really loves his Tau, then after they're a year or two old, you might just be able to wait him out and let him, like, once he's getting his ass whipped by orcs and stuff, maybe you can start, you know, like... Well, hey, I wouldn't even worry. Like I said, I wouldn't worry about that. I, I would look for new guys to play, and I think that if he sees you playing with new people and you're playing this game... And he's like, well, I want to play with my Tau. And they're like, and you're like, hey, there are no Tau in 30K. Maybe you should sell them Tau and get you a Legion army, you know, and have fun <laughs> with us because we're all playing. Then that may work. I mean, just finding other people to play with. And the way you do that, the, the easiest way is Facebook. Just get on Facebook and type in 30K in my area, like whatever, do searches and try to find a 30K group in your area and join it and go to stores and just find guys to play 30k and just start building a community from scratch. I mean, I started with zero people. Like I had none. I was the only one I had heresy models. I had no one to play with. And now I've built what I consider a pretty big thriving 30k community. 
Um, it took a couple of years, but I mean, it is what it is. I mean, now, now it's fucking awesome. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And if you want, man, just tell us where you're at. Tell us where you're located. We'll find you guys in your area. You know, we'll find you the people. If there's already 40 K in your area, I'm pretty sure there's a secret 30 K underground. We'll get you, we'll get the people, the right people in contact. And then once you, once your friend sees like how much fun you're having and like, you know, once he sees that you're out there kissing other dudes, then <laughs> then he's going to get jealous and he's going to start up a 30K army. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. But like I said, just like having somebody, the people that go, what's the most busted shit right off the bat, probably not a good fit for the 30K community. They're going to require a major attitude adjustment to fit in. For sure. Michelle. So, glad we addressed that. Good email. Appreciate your email. So, that's all we got for this episode, guys. We're done here. We're done. That's all for the Iron Warriors episode. If you just skipped over to the Iron Warriors part and decided to not listen to the first part of the podcast and were so intrigued that you listened to this part and this far, I suggest going back. There's some good talk at the beginning where we talk about hobby progress and fun stuff. Talk about Harris Camp. Definitely something to look into if you're just getting to the hobby. Um, but once again, if you guys want to shoot us any questions or anything like that, you can send us an email to Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, Derek at Warhammer30k.com, or Scott at Warhammer30k.com. And... If you want, you can also send us a voicemail, which we played at the beginning of the episode, to 209-RFI-30K0. Check us out on Facebook, Radio Free Istvan. Uh, anything else you want to add in, Ryan, or you want to throw in? Yeah, so last week we talked about me pouring myself out and going on every podcast that would stick a microphone in my face. And one of those was Varangian Heresy. And yep. they're doing a series about getting new people into the game or teaching new people about the game and they ask uh myself and uh jp from age of darkness um who was featured in the commercial earlier um to come on and talk about that and we recorded it and they just posted the episode today so by the time you listen to this the episode will be out so you can go over there to the bring in heresy and check that out if you are a new player it would probably be cool to to listen to that um jp also it's just a good podcast anyway uh if you want to know more about the fluff and and books and stuff i mean definitely check out age of darkness that's their jp and mark um that's their specialty and then later on uh in the in the later episodes miles from little legend has joined them bringing his painting and modeling expertise into it and it's a really good show so definitely check out these um other podcasts and then you can listen to our mothership podcast the eye of horrors you guys really want to um so we got you know were there thralls or whatever and all lackeys whatever you want to call it so if you want to be beamed to the mothership go check them out fantastic fantastic so go check that out i think it's called heresy 101 is what the bringing heresy called it and very informative series so that's gonna be it we'll go ahead and cut out to the music guys And y'all have a good one. Later.
things here. Everything is ordinary. It's just something I always do. It's ordinary. It's just something I always do. It's ordinary.